war and he said hell yes we're gonna take your ARs and your AK-47 so let's give a little shout out to Ted Lou real quick right Ted Lou one of our favorite representatives out of California that's sarcasm if anyone doesn't know it's It'd be real like, easy to do if the dollar was based off the gold standard. Everyone that just, would equate yeah. directly over, then you cut everybody out. But we live in monopoly money world now, yeah. so we can't do that. It anymore. just kind of takes everyone to accept that like money doesn't really exist, and then we can move on. Welcome like, to the salt of the streets, coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation. We need some information, and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talking real topics real people real problems think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to colin and the donovan because right, that's the what, what's that? oh, let's get and just like a red white and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship we are back to salt of the streets podcast this is saturday september 14th 1:21 p.m episode 69 and welcome back everybody to the salt of the streets podcast your one and only source for social and political commentary on all the weekly news pop culture and sports that you can handle and the best part about the whole deal it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me the everyday normal person so come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information as always we are your hosts i am colin i am donovan and coming up on this week's show we're going to be talking emoluments uh particularly vice president pence's trip to ireland uh we're probably gonna be talking some john bolton some taliban and some foreign policy in general and we are also going to be talking about the greatest of all debates from this last week if you're getting this on monday this was last with thursday Thursday night, yes, had another Democratic primary debate. All this 10 was my candidates. my least favorite of all of the Democratic debates was this one. Yeah, but we learned a lot of things. I think about a lot of those people, and it was on during a so. terrible football game, which didn't help at all. No, fuck you, OJ Howard. How about that? <laughs> I'm just gonna start there. Fuck OJ Howard. And so this was the. Oh, what game was this? This was uh was Car- Yeah, it was and- Carolina Buccaneers, Carolina yeah. Tampa Bay. And Thursday fucking night. Carolina lost, right? Because I feel yeah. like Yeah, because we both picked that one wrong. Then I was, was like, how the fuck? Because fucking Cam Newton looks like shit. I'll tell you what. Yes. Cam Newton looks like shit. Thank I got him God. mad late in the Bennett League, right? Like second to last round. And I was like, I know why no one's picking him because he might be terrible. But I was like, fuck it. Second to last round. I don't have a quarterback yet. I'll take Cam Newton because he's still there, right? Upside is awesome. Terrible for two weeks. Yep. So I had to pick up Dak Prescott last week, which is which is good. I'm, I'm glad I got him. But so I have Dak Prescott. And I'm like, should I even keep Cam Newton? Because fuck Cam Newton because he's terrible. You know? I'm glad that I don't live in Carolina because I'd be fucking embarrassed. I would be <laughs> I fucking would be embarrassed. Too. At least we have Russell Wilson. He may be taking a shitload of money from us, but at least we have Russell fucking Wilson. Mm-hmm. But I know that if all of our running backs get hurt, we're still going to win the fucking game. We're still going to win. Shit will still be fine. He'll throw the ball fucking 50 times, just like Cam Newton did, but he'll have twice as many yards and four <laughs> times as many touchdowns because Cam Newton had fucking zero. Russ does like to throw them bombs, dude. Dude. It's like, how can... And Metcalf looked balling last week. Against the Bengals, Metcalf had like four big-ass catches, no touchdowns, which is fine, but he had like 90 yards. Four catches, 90 yards for a fucking rookie wide receiver in his first game. That's awesome. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fucking fan. DK Metcalf is enormous. He looks fantastic. Him and Russ, Ty Lockett, it's going to be great. So let me ask you this. Where 
tell the story that you texted me last weekend, the day before NFL football. About Antonio Brown? No, about your TV. Oh, <laughs> fuck, man. That sucked really bad. So I was, and the worst thing is that I was watching the Ducks game, right? Like actively oh. watching the Ducks game and our TV just stops working. Like you can hear everything, but the screen just doesn't work anymore. Fucked with it for like an hour. Did everything I could do, tried to reset it, all this shit. Doesn't work. It just doesn't work, right? Have like a fucking, we bought this with our tax return, like our first good track tax return when we were together. And like oh. we first moved out. And so we got like a good, like a 55 inch TV and it was a Vizio and we we're like, this is awesome. So Jordan looks up on the internet, screen went out. First thing, screen went out on my Vizio. So this is a fucking problem that videos, videos have that just no one said shit about that. Hey, That's, five years from now, your TV's just going to stop working. Did you guys so, buy it at Walmart originally? We bought it at Best Buy. Best Buy. Um, we went around and Best Buy had the best deal on this particular mm-hmm. TV that we were going to buy because that's like the one that just made the most sense. Yeah. So we went and bought a new TV. Um, did you get a bigger one? No, we got it the same, a 55-inch TV. This one's the Samsung that, you know, it's like, it's good. Yeah, but Samsung this, makes good good quality products. It sucks because, like, I'm not jazzed on it. You know, like, I didn't want to go and get a new TV. I didn't want to go and have to spend, like, $400 on a TV. You yeah, know, this like, is that like, sucks. Like, this isn't a new upgrade for you. This was, I'm replacing my old one. And I'm not trying to sound shitty because we could have went and bought a $50 TV. Like, we didn't have to buy, you know, a, the TV the same size as our other one. We didn't have to buy a new TV. We could have waited, you know, like a week or whatever and tried to find one on Craigslist. But, and maybe this is fucking shallow and shitty, but the Ducks were fucking actively playing. And Sunday was like the very next day was week one of fucking football. And like we have red zone and shit. And I wasn't trying to not watch football all day on Sunday because my fucking TV broke. So you are totally and utterly justified. And that is a sheer (laughs) panic moment in 2019. All right. And I was just like, fuck. Like I was, and so I wasn't even happy. Like I was like upset about it. Like we bought a new TV and we set it up and then, you know, turned it on and I'm like, sick like know? i shouldn't I have just, fucking had to spend this money. i was just mad yeah, yeah i just wasn't happy about it um so that so yeah, it's one thing if you're gonna upgrade your tv you're like yo i'm going from 55 yeah. i'm buying a nice new fucking yep. 60 inch i don't know the size of tvs so the screen looks good because it's a newer tv than our old one so yeah it, it's like a 4k tv whatever because that's like standard now apparently it's yeah, like dude. whatever was before that is fucking you know age like 1080p or whatever it was is out the yeah. fucking window it doesn't even matter so yeah, i bought that like, tv when we first moved back and it's still i mean it's outdated as fuck it's weird it's weird yeah. i mean it's it's super like that technology is whoosh yeah. through the roof man so it's weird you know it looks like I've been watching John Adams on HBO, um, which is a really good series. Yeah. It's based off of David McCullough's book, John Adams. Oh, wow. David McCullough is my favorite historian. And so I was watching it and it's really good, but it doesn't need to be in 4K. It like looks too good. You know, oh, yeah. it's just like they're just sitting around talking and shit and he's like running around arguing with his wife and shit. And so everything's so clear behind him, like in his shitty fucking 1790 house that I'm like, <laughs> it, this does not need to be in 4K. <laughs> like it does like, oh. this looks too good. And it's it's distracting. Yeah. You can watch like, that on stage in a theater. It would have, be way better. Yeah. 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 So I've. That's funny. That's the only thing that's. But, you know, especially like new stuff. It's like the first time you watch a Blu-ray. You know, like you watched it and you're like, oh, my God. Like this is so. It's so much different than a fucking, you know, a DVD. Oh, yeah. And now like watching this shit in 4K. I'm like, God damn. Like that's fucking. And the jump from DVD to from VHS was a big one. Huge. Right. Huge. Yeah. 
it's I remember, like I remember that because growing up, my dad had this, I and mean, we had a bar. I don't want to say it was twice this size, but it was pretty damn close to twice the size, right? Like twice and, as wide. Yeah, I mean, it was or super wide and it was super deep and stuff, and it just had these big ash shelves, obviously, because it's a big bar. Yeah, and it was just full of VHS movies. Really, tons of movies. That's why I. I that's where I gained my love of movies. And, you know, when DVDs first started to come out, my dad would buy, you know, one or two at a time, just slowly start replacing them. Yeah. And then we'd, we'd get to one of the new, like one of the newer John Wayne movies that had just come out on DVD. They transferred it over. Quality's way, way better than, like, we just watched this movie two weeks ago on VHS and now we're watching it on DVD and it's like, it's like a whole new fucking movie. Yeah. It's amazing. It's weird. The so first that, that movie, shit's weird. the first Blu-ray I ever watched was Push with Chris Evans. You know what I'm talking about? Dakota Fanning? Mm-hmm. That was the first Blu-ray I ever watched. And I remember that. Like, I actually liked that movie. It was not bad. And I you know, like, it was interesting. Yeah. It would have been cool if they made more, you know, it would have been terrible movies probably, but yeah. it was, I liked the concept of it. I was know? back when they were still making like original movies. Not everything was a, a superhero comic book or a remake of something old or whatever. One of the downfalls of being an adult is realizing that everything has already been made before. You know, whether or not it's a book or just a movie that someone has made before, but most mm-hmm. movies are based on books the first time they're made anyway. So yeah. you're if you're being born now, you're watching a lot of movies that are remakes of movies that are based on books. Like 1984 was a new one they just put out. With uh, what? Oh, what's his name? They remade Black Panther. Really? No, 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 not Black Panther. The bad guy from Black Panther. Shit, what's his Michael name? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, he's in the new 1984. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. You know, really? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't heard you know good because things. I've watched. Um, they made a 1984 movie like 20 years ago. Yeah, it was really not very good. Um, in eighty four fifty six. There you go. So they were not very good. That's the one from nineteen eighty four. In nineteen eighty four, it was not a very good movie. It's like pretty okay. Are you talking about Fahrenheit? Fucking oh Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's what it was. Not nineteen. So, um, yes. <laughs> that's just the last one of those like good classic books that I had read. So it's fresh on the mind. Yeah. No, and that's fine. But. <laughs> The, but that's what I'm saying. Like most shit is you're you're watching a movie based on that's a remake of a movie that was based on a book. You know? Yeah, and the book is wildly better than either of those movies that you just watched. Definitely, it's a it's a strange place that we find ourselves in. Um, you can find many more observations, you know, on this world uh, on our social media, our personal social media. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter, and he uh, and at. Uh, Alpaca underscore Don on Instagram. He's a big bird off you on both those things. And we also have our Salt of the Streets Instagram, our Facebook at Salt of the Streets, our YouTube at Salt of the Streets. And you can find all of this on saltofthestreets.com. It's fantastic. It's a great website. We update it constantly. It's awesome. Subscribe to our YouTube. Leave us reviews, ratings. If you leave us a rating and a review on wherever you listen to podcasts and then you screenshot it, Send the picture to us. You'll get $5 off a t-shirt. I'll Boom. fucking mail it to you from my work. I'll put notes in there. I'll put some fucking business cards in there. Some stickers. I got stickers. So oh, dog. Buy some t-shirts. I got 20 more dollars that I got from t-shirts yesterday. I Woo-hoo. found it somewhere. It's in other pants that I have. The neighbor gave it to me. So we're selling t-shirts. Not the fucking asshole. If you want a t-shirt, order it up. The instructions there are like in all the postings and on Facebook and stuff like that. We will accept your money through Venmo, through PayPal, through Cash App. However you want to send us money, we'll take it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it's all there. 
So go. Carolina got her latest paycheck from Twitch yesterday. Well, fuck your wife, dude. <laughs> I, I do on a regular <laughs> basis. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> uh, but so Borderlands three yes. is the new game that it's the new craze game that just came out, right? Is she playing with Jake? Cause Jake is into that shit too. She yeah. Should. He, they're going to play it on one of the platforms, right? Say, she came to me streaming. with this moral conundrum yeah. last night. She's like, well, hey, I just bought Borderlands on PlayStation and, but I, I want to be bad and also get it on Xbox because she plays with different people on different platforms and they don't transfer, right? And that precipitated, oh, and I just got paid from Twitch and I got this amount of money. I was like, well, shit, there's your answer right there. You buy this, you buy both games, one on each platform, and you still made a profit. Look at you. Are you fucking serious? Look at that. What the fuck? <laughs> God damn, dude. I'm telling you, if so we were huge, pretty girls. Huge shout out if you're a Twitch watcher. Go check out Lexi Kayo Offy. It's because we're ugly. Yeah, pretty it's much. because we're fucking dudes and we're ugly. I mean, there's this we. And we're white. What's this we talk? And we're white. I don't That's know about you. You're not white? I mean, I'm Kamala Harris. I'm as... No, I don't want to... Okay, I'm not... <laughs> I'm as Spanish as Kamala Harris is white. We'll say that. <laughs> Whatever you say, bud. I don't know. So, so <laughs> we, we, Willie's reserve, bro. This is your fault. Reserve, so, <laughs> I mean, no, um, I'm fucking. What, the, what was that one? Lovely. Lovely. It's the Dutch cookies. Uh, fucking. This is a little plastic thing on here. Oh my. Yeah. This is a plastic case. Yeah. It's a plastic case. It's hardcore. So, Willie's Reserve, oh if, for those of you that don't know, is a grower Whoa. that uh, is owned by Willie Nelson. Wow. The country singer. And there was five in here? Yeah. Wow. This but, is I mean, they're really little half-gram things, and so you, they go quick. Yeah, but this you know? is really legit. That's uh... Yeah, it's pretty dope. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. There's like a little locking me- mechanism on the top that keeps it shut. Yeah, but that's like, what's up. Took me a minute to figure out how to open it. There are some stores that you can get uh, boxes, like lock boxes for your weed, so your kids don't get into them, which I think is a really cool thing for weed great. stores to be selling, because um, we've talked about this before. It's like a kids, handgun safe. If your kids are... You know what I'm saying? And every handgun you buy comes with a lock. Like... That's yep. pretty cool. You know, Jordan's handgun comes with a lock. It's a trigger lock that goes like fits that one in particular. Mm-hmm. Mine is just a standard trigger lock that slides through the barrel and whatnot or through the slide. Oh, however yeah. you want to do it. I think that's really cool. They all come with fucking with gun locks. Yeah. The, like if you have a gun at home that you're not locking up, you're just an asshole because I have, they're fucking giving it to you. I have two of them. Yeah. Because they each came. They come. With them. Yeah. Like it's that's, killer. you know, so there's. Little reason for guns to not be locked up in a situation where they need to be locked up. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. So at one least of them one, is I don't for know. Me to feel better for the podcast. That it's too big to like put yeah. on the counter, so I just put it over there. <laughs> well, and you don't have children or people who regular. I mean, you know, that's a different deal. But that's like it's weird because I carry my hunting rifle around Minnie with me through this house, <laughs> like throughout the day. That's it's really like because I don't get up and move around very often. I, yeah. I go, my room's very functional. It's like, I go to that room for this, I go to this room for that, and then I go to the other one to sleep. Yeah. Most of the time I spend out here and then I, my rifle goes with me to the bedroom when I go to sleep and that's about it. 
take this motherfucker out when I go to water the plants, bro. Oh, yeah. You never know. Well, I mean, you live in that Keyport hood. <laughs> Scary out there, bro. It's fucking dangerous in Keyport. Oh, People shit. People roll through. You never know who they are. I saw something about Keyport the other day. You have a freshly painted mural on the road. Five of them. We have five different murals. Five. By five different artists um, around like the sewage drains yep. that are is intended to make you more conscious of what goes into your sewer water that goes out into the ocean, which I think is really cool. So, yeah, they're all really cool, actually. We took a walk the other day and went around and looked at yeah. all five of them. And I guess Jordan met some of the artists when she was walking around momming it up the other day. So, <laughs> Is it bad that my mind immediately goes to, how much did the county spend on this? Um, and I kind of think they volunteered. I'm not okay. sure. Jordan knows more about it than I do. They've written a couple articles about it on Kitsap Sun. Kitsap Sun's stingy as fuck with their articles. So yeah, they are. Um, well, they, they got to make the paper, man. They dude, they fuck them. Got to be hurting. So I'm not sure exactly what the deal is with that, but I think that it's pretty cool. And I'm not saying like <laughs> I have a problem with the county paying artists to do artwork. Yeah, I would just you know government. Contracts are usually pretty fucking massive. Um, yeah, and I don't think that they were paid. I mean, you know, again, I don't know, but I yeah, wouldn't assume that these people were paid very much because they're not enormous murals. They're, you know, maybe four by four murals around the the sewage things. Yeah, they look so, pretty nice. Yeah, they are. You they're know, very cool. cool. Each is each is different. Each is individual. Hope it lasts. Just being yeah. on the road. You know, uh, that- and I'm not sure what they did to like seal them or whatever. I'm not sure what the mm-hmm. deal is. They had cones around them for like two weeks. So I imagine they were doing something. But yeah. Interesting stuff though. Who fucking knows. Who knows? So, um, so you're upset at, at the, at the vice president. Um, and, I'm, and also at the president. Yeah. So I'm suspicious, I think is more, uh, and I, I am frustrated about it, but I'm it's like, I've been upset about this since the beginning of it. Yeah. So I, maybe I am pissed off because I was suspicious about it from the beginning, you know, that I was willing to like give it time and be like, okay, we'll see like what you do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So my concern this week has been the emoluments clause of the constitution, which is something that we talked about in the pre-show that discusses regards the president receiving any money or gifts or anything of value from the federal government outside of their salary every year, right? So, in the pre-show, again, we talked about every president other than President Trump has put all of their, you know, whatever they made money off of before they got into office, whether it was a private company or stocks and bonds or, you know, whatever they were doing before they got there, they've put it into a blind trust. So they've had no control over it, no connections to it. They'll be able to access it when they're done. But until they're done being president, they have nothing to do with it. Someone else is handling it. It's a whole nother deal. So, hi, mama. Come over here. Show, dog. Back it up. Come over here. Come here. So, there were a lot of people who were suspicious, obviously mostly Democrats, who were suspicious when the president did not place all of his things, all of his businesses, all of his funds into his assets, into a blind trust when he took office. He instead put like Donald Trump Jr. and some other people in charge of his businesses so that he, you know, didn't have day-to-day operations. Someone else is conducting the day-to-day things. He's not seeing active profits supposedly because all the money's going Somewhere else, I'm not sure where he said it was going, but not into his bank account. It's some, you know? it's some bullshit, though. So, a lot of people who are suspicious of that, right? Mm-hmm. And the suspicions were renewed and have been renewed in, I think, what have been 
the 296 days that the president has spent at one of his resorts since he took office. Um, I'm trying to find... Like Mar-a-Lago? Uh, Mar-a-Lago, there's another one, 293, or just over 30% of the days he's been in office. His most frequent destinations are his Mar-a-Lago Club in Florida and Trump Golf Courses in New Jersey and, Vir- and Virginia, and he has spent three days at Duneburg since he took office. Duneburg is what we're going to be talking about today. Well, this mm-hmm. also, it's part of what we're going to be talking about today. That is where Mike Pence stayed on his recent trip to Ireland. So... As we all know, the president golfs all the time. After he shit on Obama for, you know, however much time he golfed while he was president, Trump is like, oh, I'm going to be – do you have that up? Did you – oh, that's a different tweet. I thought you had that same tweet. But anyway, Oh, this was the um, – this is the Bolton firing tweets. Oh. Um, so, yeah, he shit on President Obama for how much he was golfing. And obviously the president – President Trump has golfed far more than President Obama did when he was in office. That is unquestionable. I'm not sure exactly what the numbers are, but – there is no doubt. It's a lot. Um, yes. I mean, every every president, for the most part, golfs a lot, but it's just so hypocritical for him to like shit on someone else yeah. for golfing all the time, and then he's golfing all the time, too. Like, numbers so, aside, don't, don't be that fucking guy. Right. That's all. That's all you need to do was not be that guy. Right. So, I'm not sure, right, because I... Th- I don't know. Um, this part is speculation, right? I'm thinking out loud. I don't know if it looks worse if the president doesn't charge himself to, to stay at his own resort or if he pays himself to stay at his own resort. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if he goes to Mar-a-Lago and he doesn't charge himself because it's his own resort, is that the same thing as, is that receiving a gift? You know, to the federal government because he's not, he's like, well, free state, you know, yeah. so I'm not, e- either like, way, right? In the so, very specific situation where the president is the owner of the club, yeah, I can see that being like, no, there's, it's fine. Right. But, so, who knows? either way, the people that stay there, his secret service, um, there is a number of expenses that come from the taxpayers when the president stays at his own resorts, right? Even if yeah. they're not accrued by him staying there. It- it's like just because he didn't pay for the rooms doesn't right. mean that all that extra cost that's involved in the entire infrastructure surrounding the president moves to that location. Yeah. I mean, there are there's going to be portions of that business that profit from that. Period. And so in this article here that I have from the New York Times, in total, nearly $20 million has been sent to the has been spent at the Trump family hotels since 2015 by various mostly political Republican political groups. Mr. Trump's own political committees, according to the tally by the Center for Responsible Politics. And that is an outside third party that is looking into this recent stay mm-hmm. by Meg, by Mike Pence at the Duneburg Resort, right? So the thing that ticked my fucking ears up or whatever you want to call it, right, was – the vice president, Mike Pence, says, a lot of people don't know who the fucking Mike vice president is. <laughs> um, he went on a recent trip to Ireland to do some dignitary stuff in Dublin and then also did some family stuff in Duneburg, which is on the opposite side of Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. By the way, did you know that the president of Ireland is gay? I did not know that. That's well, I better double check that. But all the articles were I read were President so and so and his partner. And yeah. I'm like, I love the fact that Mike Pence is the guy that's got to go there. Yeah. Just because of that. So I'm going to look into that for a minute. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. I mean, I think that I've heard something of the of the sort. Um, 
So Mike Pence went on a trip to to Ireland, right? He is. Yep. He is. Yep. Word. So there you go. I was. Yeah. I think that I do remember hearing that. Um. So he went to Dublin for a couple of days, where he's going to do some dignitary stuff. He's going to meet with the president. This gay man here, Leo Varadkar. Uh, Varadkar. Right? That's probably. Yeah. I'm sure that that's not correct. How we're saying. Yeah, it. definitely. Um, not. Especially considering we know he's Irish, so that's <laughs> yeah. probably not how you it's, say it. That's probably not the right way. That's why I just go. That's the president of Ireland. So Dunberg, I believe, is 181 miles away from Dublin, right? Yes. And As instead of from what I was being understood, yes. a, it was 181 miles from there by car. By car. On the other side of Ireland. So while Mike Pence is in Ireland, he doesn't stay in Dublin, he stays in Dunberg, right? So his travel costs, because he has to drive back and forth or take a plane or take a helicopter, are upwards of six hundred thousand dollars. A lot. While he's in Dublin. Mind you, because everyone likes to compare President Trump and President Obama, right? When President Obama made this made this very same trip to Dublin to do the same thing, the costs were one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to the very same companies, the same very very same limousine companies that that traveled them back and forth, right? So, I have a concern. My problem, right, is that he stayed on the other side of the country. And spent, we'll just call it three times as much, even though it's slightly more than three times as much on travel because he chose to do so, right? Not only did he choose to stay on the other side of the country and spend three times as much in travel while he's there, because he's doing family shit in Dunberg, he also decides he's going to stay at the president's resort while he's in Dunberg. Which would not be like a totally weird thing because that's obviously the precedent that has been set by the White House. Mm -hmm. That's where they all stay. But then there's a report that comes out right afterwards where his chief of staff says that President Trump suggested that he stay at his resort. And it's not like he tells him, hey, you have to stay at my resort in Dunberg. He's like, oh, you're going to be in Dunberg. Why don't you stay at my resort? Which is whatever. It's an offhanded thing. But I don't – when you can't definitively prove that the president is not actively being – Making money. Making money from the federal government, from the taxpayers, from people staying in – like if, from people in the White House staying in his resorts – what the fuck? Like, that's where yeah. I have a problem, right? So not only are you, in my opinion, wasting money on travel because you're doing family stuff in Dunberg, right? He says Mike Pence paid for, you know, his family stay, his daughter, his wife, whatever, came out of his own personal finances. So their stay at the resort in Dunberg didn't come out of, out of taxpayer money, you know. But still, his stay, all the Secret Service that's staying there, all his travel, this is all coming from taxpayer money. It's being wasted, right? He, not not his stay because he has to stay somewhere. You yeah, know? he's got to stay somewhere. But now it just happens to be that where he's staying, also the money may or may not be going into the pocket of the president, right? Yeah. Because he's chosen not to put all of his assets into a blind trust and he's chosen not to release his taxes. So we can't see where any of this money's going because if his tax, and I'm not trying to get on like a soapbox of, you know, release your taxes because that's not, we haven't really been on that tilt of like been upset about it. You know, while we think it should happen because that's what you should do. Yeah. We're not harping on that all the time, but now it's starting to become a problem for me because now I can't even see whether or not you're making money off of taxpayers. Because if you released your taxes, I would know that. And I wouldn't be so upset about it. This whole emoluments thing that's being discussed in the House, in the Senate, among the Democrats would not be an issue. We would see it. But because you're choosing to tell people that they should stay in resort, even if it's off, off offhanded, you happen to be in Dunberg. I happen to have a resort in mm -hmm. Dunberg. Maybe you should happen to fucking stay there, you know? Maybe. 
Maybe you should totally That's do that. Whatever. But why might be a nice cookie exec job for you after this gets over? <laughs> so I've got I've got a serious problem with that, right? Three um, mi- three hours and ten miles by car is the is the quickest route from Dunberg to Dublin. Not by car, by, by Google Maps. By bulletproof limousine. Yeah. Right? So just mind you that. Not by car, because you can fucking, you know, Uber a car for a couple hundred bucks. Or, you know, you could rent a car for a couple hundred dollars and drive it, but, but by probably explosive, you know, proof as well, limousine that you're oh, driving. Yeah. And all the, you know, think about all the streets you have to close and you'd have to pay all those, there. all those people to go through all those towns. All I don't usually police. like to take personal shots at people we talk about because that's just not what we do. Motherfuckers closed off the streets in Dunberg and no one showed up to see the president when he, or the vice president when he got there. So they closed it off and no one's even there. Like it's yep. closed off for no reason. It's like a security so, thing. So I also have a problem. I don't care that he's going to do family shit while he happens to be in Ireland, right? And, but instead of costing so much, spending so much in travel, in $600,000 in travel, why don't you stay three days in Dublin, do your things there, and then go and do your family stuff in Duneburg so that you can cut down this travel cost probably by half at least? Yep. Why? Why are you not choosing to do that? Because you're costing the taxpayers three times as much because either you're being ignorant or you don't want to, I don't, you want to try and be more convenient for yourself instead of the taxpayers when mm-hmm. you serve like us, right? You're a public employee. So like, what the shit? And you know? every government employee has a duty to spend the taxpayers money the best and most you know thrifty economical way they can and this is emoluments aside this is what really pisses me off about this there is no feasible reason that he could not shell out the cost out of pocket for every all the additional costs that needed to be done to keep him safe and to do all this stuff because he chose to essentially take leave and go do something family related. Right. This is out of your own pocket, dude. I'm sorry. This is on you. This is not on the American taxpayer, but we just have this system in place now where I'm, and it's not even like the Trump administration is the only motherfuckers have done it. It just gets scarier. Like you said, because of the emolument stuff that is probably (laughs) taking place. Yeah. And now we don't even know. And like I said, because of the taxes, we don't even know for, for a fact whether or not you're actually benefiting from this. Because certainly he's walking around all the time. Anytime it comes up, he's like, no, I separated myself. I'm not, I'm not making any money off of, you know, the taxpayers. That's not me. I separated myself. We don't know that. We can't. I did not pay Stormy Daniels. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We don't have any way to verify that because Mm -hmm. you won't release your taxes. And I, again, we cannot listen to a fucking word that comes out of your mouth. Right. Without thinking that it's a lie because you lie all the time and we all know it. So let's give a little shout out to Ted Lou real quick, right? Ted one, Lou, one of our favorite representatives out of California. That's sarcasm if anyone doesn't know. He's not a terrible guy, but he I I don't love him, right? So when it's yeah, when you see us, you'll know who. Yep. Yeah, there's so Ted Lou. He since President Trump has been in office, regularly posts pictures of himself flying like not first class with regular people all the time back and forth. So it's like you said, to do his duty to spend taxpayer money as well as possible. Whether or not he was doing it before President Trump got into office, I don't know, right? He might just be doing this since he got there to prove a point. I'm not going to assume that. But he's been doing it for at least over two years since President Trump has been in office. Takes pictures all the times of him being in what is 
economy class. I don't know what regular. I fucking hate flying. So coach. So there you go. So that's I don't know what's the difference between coach and economy. What's the is it is economy? No, it's just a different name for the same thing. There on airplanes there are two sections: first class, yeah, and coach, yeah. And there are a bunch of different categories of coach, like economy, business class, blah blah blah. And you just some of the seats have like. A half inch extra room. It it, it's all shit. menial shit, but realistically, it's first class and coach. Period. That's it. So there you go, right? So he's taking pictures all the time of him flying coach and posting them on Twitter all the shit. And he's like, "Hey, here I am, trying to just fly coach and do me just back and forth between wherever." I wonder why this doesn't happen all the time. My boy Andrew Yang, Andrew Yang flying coach, coach back from the debates. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> that's a concern of mine. Like yeah, I'm see, not- that right there. That's business class. <laughs> in coach. That's business. It's place. still coach, but you're paying like an extra hundred bucks so that you're not literally wedged into someone else or something like that. There's yeah. There's a little bit of shit. Wifey, come on over here. You look at it. You fly all the time too. Coach, baby. Yep. Mm. See, so and I'm not saying that I expect the president and vice president to fly coach, right? I that's I don't expect they them. have they have their jets and do all that. Right. That's what they're there for, right? But when you're talking about reducing cost any way possible that's mm-hmm. still safe because again i'm not talking about mike pence taking an uber you know mm-hmm. you have to for safety reasons take this particular limousine so that you can stay safe the whole time but you don't need to travel back and forth every single day that you're there because you want to do family stuff because you have family ties in duneburg because your grandma's from there whatever it is your great grandma i don't remember exactly who it is but he has family ties in duneburg and that's why he wanted to stay there yeah and i don't think that's a good enough reason to triple the cost of what it needs to be or double the cost of what it needs to be for you to stay there. You got official duties, dude. You need to take care of your shit and then you can go play. Yeah. And And it's it's the complete lack of even a a veneer of, you know, good stewardship with the taxpayer's money. That really pisses me off. That's what I think really puts the icing on the cake for this one. It really puts people over the edge. Because it's just so blatantly disrespectful and just disconnected. You know, the fact that they don't even think that that's a problem. Like, there's no inconvenience there yeah. for them. It's, money <clears throat> solves all problems. And they just are so disconnected with the fact that they're staying on the opposite side of the fucking island of Ireland, okay? That's not a smart thing to do if you got to do business on the other end of the island for For a few three days. days straight. For three days straight, you have to go back to Dublin. So why are you doing that? Why are yep. you not just – even if you have a reservation there where your family's staying in Duneburg for three days and you're paying for it, that's fine. You should stay in Dublin for three days while you're doing your business. Go to Duneburg for three, four days, however long you're going to stay there. Like you said, take leave because we're still paying for you to be there. You're still collecting a check every month to do family shit in Duneburg. You're not being paid per day. You know what I'm saying? You're getting paid a yearly salary. I don't I don't know how the presidents get paid. I don't know if they get a monthly paycheck or if they just get a fat lump sum in the beginning of the year. Either way, yeah. you know. I'd be curious. You're still getting paid to do family shit in Duneburg. You should be cutting down the cost as much as possible. I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or somewhere in between. This is a problem. We have an administration that is wasting money and possibly collecting money from taxpayers. And they're choosing not to show us whether or not that's the truth. And I think that's a problem. It's a whether, massive problem. Whether or not, like I said, you're a Republican or a Democrat, you love the president, you have someone that might be stealing from your pocket. This is a problem. This, When your sworn duty is to not take advantage, is to protect the Constitution, to protect the people who reside underneath it. You, you are 
negating your your prime duty. You duty. You know duty. Your, your, your prime, prime duty. That's I a new word. I love it. That was just a, <laughs> a double tap of the tongue is what that was. So. That's great. I mean, it's a nice looking place for the most part. It looks, looks decent. But fuck, man, you could not be... I mean, you could almost not be any farther than you are right there. <clears throat> and this is just... God. We're only talking about the actual expenses from the administration, right? If you look at this from a more extreme tilt, not even more extreme, from a, just a more left tilt where you hate the president or the administration a little more, you can start talking about, like I said, all the different Republican parties or the different Republican committees that have stayed there, the different representatives that have paid to stay there. Mm-hmm. He's talking, the president's talking about hosting the G20 there. So you have all these foreign dignitaries that are going to pay for them, their staff, their security. It's going to keep that club alive. You know what I'm saying? To stay there. When... There's been an overall downtick in business at his resort since he's become president. Courtesy right? of the left-wing media. That it, is one thing that's nice about having a media that's so yep, into finding so something wrong. It's like, well, that's something we should know about. And you know? it could it could be argued, right? Since our, our deal here is to present the truth, it could be argued the president is hosting these things at his resorts to keep his companies afloat. Because his, he's seen a downtick in business because some mm-hmm. people hate him, don't want to stay to his horse now because he's a president. That's a thing. That's a, a true factor as to why he's seen a oh, downtick yeah. in business. And he's so, real good at going bankrupt. So he also could be argued that, that if he is receiving money from the federal government when he stays there, like, like it seems it could be logically argued, again, he's keeping his companies afloat by taking money from the taxpayers. This is a problem. That is a problem. If your companies are shitty, if your resorts are shitty, people don't want to stay there, they should go under. You should not be able to take taxpayer money to keep your companies and your businesses afloat because people don't want to be there because they don't fucking like you or it's a shitty place to stay. That's not my fault. Make them better and people will want to be there. And there's smaller implications to this too. Some of the stories I read, especially the stories that really dive into the the failing business aspect of it. Yeah. um, They talk a lot about how all these... You know, Secret Service personnel and stuff like that that are around him, his entire entourage that has to be there, um, they all get paid per diem. And their per diem is not enough to cover the cost of fucking food for them to eat while they stay there. They have to go off campus to go afford to eat food because their per diem doesn't pay them enough. That is not good stewardship of the public's money. Yeah. It's stupid. Plain and simple. I'm... So I'm not a fan. I'm deeply concerned. Um, and so Hard I know. I know. And like I said, this has been going on this whole time. I've been conscious of this this whole time, right? I knew when he got into office that he had not separated himself with a blind trust. I knew that. So I've been paying attention to this. I've tracked this. Every time he fucking goes golfing, I'm like, you motherfucker. Because I don't know whether or not you're gaining money from you from me. You're taking my money and if you're putting it in your pocket. I don't know that, right? Now it's a just a waste, a blatant waste of taxpayer money. Whether or not you're benefiting from it, now you're wasting it. You're just fucking throwing it away. It's the double tap. Now I have a problem. Yep. Now I'm concerned, right? It's been over two years. I know that if I have a problem and I've been watching and just been trying to be good, give the benefit of the doubt, right? If I'm concerned, I know there's extreme Democrats in the Capitol that are concerned because I've been hearing them talk about it for two years. Yeah. So I'm writing Derek Kilmer a letter who's not an extreme Democrat. He's a very moderate. I really like him, right? Writing him a letter, hopefully I'm going to get like a good response. You know what I'm saying? That I'm concerned. Like this is a problem now. 
you know? Not that it hasn't been before. Maybe it could have been. But now... The straw that broke the camel's back. I feel like if I'm recognizing this now and I'm frustrated, I'm concerned, it's a fucking problem now, you know? This is something that people should care about. Like I said, doesn't matter where you lie on the political spectrum, left or right, your money is being wasted and maybe put in the pocket of the same people that are being told are fucking you over. Why? And I'm not talking about the administration fucking you over. I'm talking about the 1%. The rich people in this country... That's who's taking your money if that's what's going on. You have someone who's denying you the truth and talking about fake news all the time when his taxes get brought up. So here's a shot in the dark idea. Why don't – I mean every place that a a, a major dignitary, especially on the, the VP level, yes. will visit has an associated U.S. embassy close. Why do we not – expand on some of those embassies to build facilities for our governmental workers and staffers to stay at while they are there during an official visit. Yeah. That might be a good idea. I'm not opposed to that. I don't think, I mean, it seems like it would be a, certainly a burden off the taxpayers in regards to cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you build them obviously. And you know, logistics, via, every single one yeah. of them has, you can make it a security hard point. Right. It is built to handle a presidential level security package. Yeah. And you just, you, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all. Especially if you're, because they're in the major cities you're going to be doing business in. Certainly there is an American embassy or a United States embassy in Dublin. You know what I'm saying? So you can stay there. And that, no, I think that that's, that's a fair idea, I think. And the the initial cost will obviously be like, not great, but it will be fair. Yeah. But over time, I don't think it will be hard to and argue that that would save money. Shit like this from happening. Because if you're not staying at the secured spot in the embassy, that's really pretty sick. Because we're expecting the president to stay there. You know, it's not like it's going to be terrible. It's not going to be a Motel Six just that they add on. You know, yeah. to the embassy, it's going to be a nice. They're all pretty suite, nice, anyway. Probably, you know, with fucking like seven other rooms attached to it and all the shit, so it can be secure. And you know, what they call it a skiff. You know, one room's a skiff, so that you can have private conversations in there. So. If you make it good, there's no reason they don't stay there. You know? It's and if right on the outskirts of the city. Look so at that. If they're choosing not to st- – I mean, you can certainly argue security problems you know, with, with people planning shit or whatever. But if you know that a president is planning a trip to Dublin or whatever they're going to go, you know like a month in advance that they're going there in a month. Oh, yeah. Look know? at this. Snipers all along the roof. This is a cool-ass building, by the so, way. So this is something – and I'm sure that most embassies are places – if not, if not before what happened in Libya, right afterwards, they are places that could be secured and defended if need be. I think that that's probably designed into the buildings that are turned into embassies, right? Yeah, so I would assume. So I don't, I don't see why that should be a problem. I think that that's, I think that's a fair idea. We definitely love to hear what all you guys have to think about that, um, and what you think about this emoluments concerns. And I will. I think I'll probably share the letter that I sent to Derek Kilmer. I'll put it out on, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram and all that. Um, By writing a letter to your congressman, does that make it public property? Probably I'm not, not sure, but I'm going to make it public property. So. Definitely. That's fuck the man. Fuck the man, bro. <laughs> so we'll see. And that's a legitimate. That's why I think the emolument stuff. It's the word emoluments is a little hard to approach for a lot of people. It's a hard word to say you know, sometimes. It's, it's, it's a big, complicated thing, and it doesn't exactly yeah. speak to what it actually is, you know, the meaning behind it. And so, you know, this is something that every taxpaying American has, you know, should have a problem with. 
Because regardless of whether you believe in whether it's okay for him to stay at his properties or whatever, it's obviously not the most efficient and cheapest way to do things. No. And so your money is literally being wasted. And everybody should have a concern about that. And I've not looked up, I could have, not should have, but could have looked up other hotels in Duneburg. It's a really small area, you know? Yeah. So I could have looked up other hotels, but they, I'm not there, so I can't attest to whether or not there are other hotels that could be secured for a vice presidential visit. I'm sure that there are. So I assume that there are. I'm not sure that there are because I didn't do any research. But I assume that there is at least one other location he could have stayed that may or may not have been cheaper, especially if you're saying that General Per Diem doesn't even cover food at these resorts. Probably isn't a super cheap place to stay. Um, like I said, from what I understand, it's not an enormous town. Like it's really pretty small. Yeah, it looks but, pretty small. But they're like just the actual town itself is like yeah smaller than Paulsbo. But that's why there's a resort there. You know, yeah. it's because it's a tiny little town. But and of I, course, it's going so, out of business. Nobody that lives there could possibly probably afford to go there. That's the resort, and that's the town. Yeah, the resort's almost bigger than the town. Yeah, yeah, damn near. I mean, this is the town. I mean, it's. It's a few it's blocks, over, man. Yeah, it's over half the size of the town. For it's like sure. they have one church. So maybe there isn't another hotel that he could have stayed in in Duneburg. But either way, so. he didn't need to stay at Duneburg the whole that's time. The so, whole point. So that's yeah. the biggest point here. There may not be another hotel he could. There's Duneburg <laughs> Castle. <laughs> so like he could just tower. stay at Duneburg Castle. Just kidding. It's a it's a broken tower. He can't stay at Duneburg <laughs> Castle. Um, but that's, you know, even oh. if there is another place he can stay at Duneburg, that would make more sense. The travel costs don't need to be so exorbitant. None no. of these costs need to be so high. And he doesn't always need to be staying somewhere that could possibly be putting money in the pocket of the president, you mm-hmm. know? And again, we don't generally call for the president's taxes to be released. But I'm at the point now where I'm like, okay, I'd like to know whether or not you're making money off of this because I'm a little freaked out now. And if you're taking my money and putting it in your pocket, I'm really not cool with that. That's a definite point away from you in the next election that you're taking my money, you know? And I, not that, <laughs> you, know, you know, there's a whole slew of people that are like, fuck you, taxes are theft. You're taking money all the time anyway. I'm talking about personal benefit from my tax paying money that you're like, oh, I'll scoop some of that, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, some of those people, there's no reaching, man. Right. Ta- all taxation is theft. I see a lot of that, you know, and then they're like, I don't know. That's a whole well, the, deal. The young libertarian movement is is very prevalent on Twitter, I'll say that much. Yeah. But it's, and it's weird. I mean, it's because they got some lefty thoughts, they got some righty thoughts, but then it's just this dank hate of the government. Yeah, I followed a page the other day that's called like a whiskey and rebellion or some shit like that and i was like this is not what i thought this was going to be like this is a little more extreme than i expected when i signed up for this <laughs> congratulations don you're on somebody's list somewhere you want another beer? i would love another beer i have just hammered this peanut butter milk stout that donovan brought me today you want me to surprise you yeah definitely i mean i would love one of those things in the in one of those big boxes but yeah. at the end of the day it's all beer, baby. Is that all you had on uh, Ireland and Emoluments? I think I think, I think so. you hit everything. Yeah, you, you know, I felt like you did. I don't even know what you brought to the table, but it felt like you were satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, really quick, last what day was it? September tenth. We got the news that the 
National Security Advisor to President Trump, John Bolton, either was fired or resigned and left office on September 10th. And this was following a announcement uh, via Twitter, again, obviously, because the president put it out, um, that he, quote, Unbeknownst to almost everyone, the major Taliban leaders and separately the president of Afghanistan were going to secretly meet with... Ooh, stand by one. (laughs) I'm going to go this one. I was going to say left, but then that's not... Ooh, Vengeful Spirit IPA. It's called the Scorpion Bowl. Ooh, the Scorpion Bowl. Beautiful. Have you ever been... This is uh, off topic. Have you been to... Moctezuma's in the yeah. so Montezuma's Revenge. Did you have a, they have a fucking a flaming queso bowl? Have you, did you eat that? When I've you never had the flaming queso bowl. So it comes in like one of those lava bowls, the rock things that mm-hmm. they heat up and then they put, you know, like chorizo in there and then hello cheese and then fucking, you know, whatever. Ooh. So it's hotter than all shit. Yes. Right? Super delicious. I was eating it once and it dripped on my finger. Like horrible burn horrible mm. horrible burn oh it was fucked up yeah for like two weeks i had a burn on my f- yeah Ouch. oh it was terrible delicious totally worth it just super dangerous be extra careful if that's what you're gonna do i'm so proud of you you didn't try to sue montezuma's for having too hot cheese no nah, i mean i am petty like that <laughs> i did watch a documentary though on the on the woman who burned herself in the mcdonald's coffee that's exactly what i was and thinking so about. i saw a picture of her legs and they were fucked up like, she was a mad burned. Oh, I believe from, it. Yeah, it was fucked up. It was a whole deal. That was a really strange documentary. Very strange. On the, it was like, it wasn't just about that. It was about people suing companies, but that's what mm-hmm. it started on was this woman. It was very interesting. She was like an older lady, so her skin was mad sensitive anyway. And that's part of the reason that that's it was tough. burned so badly, but also the coffee was hotter than dick. Yeah. So that's the other reason that it. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I know. I Well, last week I was like, I'm going to try and clean up my language because we're like, oh, we're going to talk about fucking you know, uh, interviewing Representative Kilmer and whatnot. And then, like, he's going to have, you know, his communications guy, that fancy uh, fellow that we saw, he's going to listen yeah. to 10 minutes of this and be like, no, nope. you can't come on here. Like, that's, <laughs> you, know, you cannot go on there. Like, that's, you, the, you, you will not be taken seriously in Congress anymore if you go on these people's oh, podcasts. Oh, my gosh. And it's, it's, my, it's my fault that we're not interviewing congressmen. And I'm sorry. <laughs> so. Anyway, I'm working on it, but oh my god, I got this week, so it's a uh, slow process. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> so, so let me, well, I'm going to restart this segment because I want to phrase this differently. Yes, because I want to ask you this. Yes, did you get the? Do you follow Trump on Twitter? Of course, I of do. course. So, of course, I do. Did you get the tweet that he put out on the? On you know the secret meeting with the Taliban at Camp David. Um, no, I got like news notifications after it came out that like, oh shit, there was going to be this meeting at Camp David. So Camp so, David. So what were your initial thoughts when you first saw those headlines? Though I didn't. You were like, wait, what the fuck? I thought that was strange, but I also wasn't like, like my sensibilities were not offended. Like I, okay. you know, I was not like he was going to meet with the Taliban at Camp David. How fucking dare you? I was like, well, that seems weird, you know, but Dead. I also like I wasn't like I said, I wasn't offended by it. I wasn't I didn't think it was absurd yeah. that that's something that was going to happen because I was under the impression that Camp David had been used and I've that was solidified for me later in the week that it's been used for different meetings before for different and 
Certainly oh, yeah. not for anyone who has helped, you know, do a terrorist attack on the United States in the way that the Taliban did. Yeah. But it's been used for all kinds of different talks before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Camp David is like the the governmental resort. Yeah. So, like, when Trump goes to Mar-a-Lago, he should be spending time in Camp David. But that's kind of like the resort where we bring in people to, like, show them a good time. Oh, I want you to try this. Oh, we're cheers, though. <laughs> yes, also cheers. Mm. <sighs> Beer break. God damn, that's good. It's These light. are all good beers. Right? Yeah. I've had that's a good now. easy I mean, drinking. Like, you can drink that in the summer, no problem. Yeah, I've tried it's a problem with now. IPA. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, Camp David is like the governmental resort. It's where we kind of, yeah, we invite other world leaders to come in like, have a good time. You know, yeah. this is where, this is our friendly ground. This is where, and then we'll have talks. That's where also I'm fairly certain that whatever president is in office, whether they're Republican or Democrat, they have like a retreat yeah. with like the senators and the congressmen and stuff like that at Camp David mm-hmm. while they're in office. Yeah. Because it prevents the problem of having to go abroad and spend money, the public's money, in the private market when you already have a facility for you to go to. And people can stay there. It's like, yes. or, you know, it's a whole deal. Not to bring up emoluments again. <laughs> no, no, but it's... But that's it's, what it's designed yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, so it would make sense that if we were going to have a diplomatic meeting with the Taliban, it would be there. I was, yes. I was, um, I mean, maybe not and that it makes sense it would be there, mm-hmm. but I, in that... It was a possible place it would be, you know, not that that's the only place it could be, but I wasn't – the fact that it was considered for a place to do a meeting with the Taliban, I wasn't confused by. I was more confused by the fact that he was announcing the ending of a secret meeting that he was going to have, right? So it seemed to me that you could just as easily not do this meeting and not talk about it and no one would ever know. No It would completely, you know – get away from any chance of a controversy because no one would ever know because it was a secret. Maybe when the documents are declassified in like 50 years or whatever, but as of now, no one needs to know that I don't that's what's think many people know that for the last few months we've been doing, you know, we've been Active meeting with the, with the Taliban. Yeah. And like, I don't think a lot of people know that even though it's been said. We've talked about it. Yes, we have. That's right. And you need to be listening because then you'll get that here. <laughs> Um, so just, I want to read this series of tweets that he put out about this. Yes, please so, do. So this was September 7th at 3.51 p.m., wherever the fuck he was at the time. So he said, unbeknownst to almost everyone, the major <laughs> Taliban leaders and separately the president of, of Afghanistan were going to secretly meet with me at Camp David on Sunday. They were coming to the United States tonight. Unfortunately, in order to build to build false leverage, they admitted to an attack in Kabul that killed one of our great, great soldiers and 11 other people. I immediately canceled the meeting and called off peace negotiations. What kind of people would kill so many in order to seemingly strengthen their bargaining position? They didn't. They only made it worse if they cannot agree to a ceasefire during these very important peace talks. And would even kill 12 innocent people, then they probably don't have the power to negotiate a meaningful agreement anyway. How many more decades are they willing to fight? There's a lot in there, especially that, that last. Yeah, one. that's very interesting. Um, so Let's we make can a lot start of false assumptions. Y- yeah. Um, or he's making a lot of assumptions. Right. Right. Um, so. 
first off, right, you obviously could hope, you couldn't assume, but you could hope that if we are trying to reach some type of peace agreement actively with the Taliban, that they would try and lessen the amount of terrorist activity that they are taking part in in that time. You would hope. But the Taliban doesn't have a history of doing that in any times we've ever just Quite the contrary. talked with them before. Yeah, they, they have a history they of do that up. because they like to flex their muscles going into an investigate or into a negotiation because they want you to feel pressured that they can. They're still ready to fuck you up. Right. This is not the you know they're not a legitimate government. They're not a normal Western power. They're not. Anything other than this weird conglomeration of tribal leaders, essentially. Terrorist they organization. Don't operate at a geopolitical level. Right. They do not. And so they do not play by the same rules as every, every nation does. Cause that would be the normal thing. It's one of the reasons why we can't kind of get into negotiations with North Korea realistically, because <laughs> when you go into negotiations with an adversary, we'll say you need Everybody needs to put something on the table right. to to come together. Something needs to be at stake. Okay, we're we're not gonna we're gonna raise tariffs. We're going and then you're going to blow up your fucking nuclear plants. And then we'll get together and we'll have these talks and everything will be great and we'll figure out boom boom boom. But the Taliban doesn't work that way. Yeah, they never have and they never will. Well, and they they also increase these tax to attacks to show strength within their own nation and their own area of influence so they don't look weak by negotiating with another nation mm-hmm. right because that's a huge concern that if they the look warriors weak, dilemma right if they look weak there might be another faction of this radicalized section of islam that tries to overtake control of the government right mm-hmm. and that's you give pieces like like isis the islamic state you know that gain control in territories and of governments you know that's that's where you get mm-hmm. things like that that rise up. So that's an active concern. I don't – some people obviously argue that it shows a lack of understanding and foreign policy of the president for him to say that they should be ramp- – I mean that they would be ramping down their acts of terrorism, right? Because, again, you would hope that, you, but you can't assume that based on the history of action of the Taliban, yeah. right? So there's that. Um <clears throat> When we're talking about the amount of power they have or the amount of influence they have because they're doing these terrorist acts, right? I don't personally see that as any indicator of how much power they have in that nation, right? I mean, yeah, I can understand a general concern of how much weight any actual peace talks will have because they are the Taliban, but I don't know that it's an, an indicator of how much power or influence they have in that area, you know, mm-hmm. for me personally. Um, well, it's hard to tell. I mean, because, you know, Trump talks in his tweet how he also had the president of Afghanistan slated to come in, the uh, president Ashraf uh, Ghani. Ashraf Ghani. I think that sounds about right. Word. Um, because Afghanistan as a country, like they have, they technically have a democratically elected government, but they don't really have any power. Yeah. You know, the, the true power broker in Afghanistan is the Taliban. Right. And so it is hard because they don't play by the same rules. You know, we have to almost go into it with a, and it sounds completely perverse when you say it like that, but you have to be able to trust that when, if they're willing to come into negotiations and talk, then they might be willing to do what they can 
on their end. Yeah. And you can just you just kind of have to hope at this point that they have the power to do what they say they do and the the will to do what they actually say they will. Right. Which because we're talking about you know what we in the western you know world would call a terrorist organization. Yeah. Cuz they are we don't know how they will act. There's just no telling. It's like a flip of coin. Right. It's I mean it's it's a little different than having the talks with the North Koreans because they kind of have always just kind of done what they want anyways. But it's similar. But it's similar because we yeah. don't actually know. They're not going to play by the same rules that everyone else does. So there are obviously mer- many different ways, different views in and among the capital of how these things should be handled, right? There are lots John of people. John Bolton was very against this right. type of thing. There's lots of people who think that the correct course of action is to militarily influence a regime change in these nations in North Korea, in Iran, in Afghanistan, in Iraq. There's, there's all kinds of different nations that mm-hmm. people think in Venezuela, right? People believe that there should be a military overthrow, what you call a military coup within that nation influenced by the United States or just a straight Invasion by the United States military mm-hmm. to overthrow that government, and then, now, fuck man, ideally, with Venezuela, yeah. you can hear news networks today talk about the coup attempt on the Maduro regime. Yeah, that's. I mean, technically, they're probably right because it is an overthrow of the current government. But I mean, it's, maybe it's just a problem with nomenclature and the, the yeah. meaning behind coup. Right. So, is there? Do you remember what day it was that John Bolton or the news came out about John Bolton, right? Because this was on Saturday, right? Yeah. So this was September People are also – so we that should note Saturday, this, right? Yeah. People were also upset that this is four days before the anniversary of 9-11. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a strong connection between the Taliban and the events of 9-11. So there are many people who are upset that we were even engaging in peace talks with the Taliban in the United States – so close to 9-11, right? Yeah. So that was a whole nother field of influence that came in from this that people were upset about, right? Um, I just wanted to note that before we moved on to John Bolden because it was around this time that, that John Bolden also resigned as the National Security Advisor, correct? Yes. So September 7th was the uh, announcement of that pullout from the secret meeting negotiations and then Michael Bolton did leave on the John 10th. Bolton. John Bolton. Michael Bolton. <laughs> That's a singer, I'm pretty that's sure. That's really funny. He um, is a singer. <laughs> he is. But yeah, he, uh, but that was on the 10th the of 10th. September. So four, three days later, mm-hmm. four days is 9-11. Three days later, John Bolton, National Security Advisor, who we've talked about before, and I'll link back to these episodes because we talked about when he was chosen as a National Security Advisor. Um, Replaced Rex me. Tillerson, if I recall. No, Rex Tillerson was Secretary of State. He oh. replaced... Um, it Masterson. Was, Yes. Masterson. Madison. Um, Mattis. 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 Yep. General mm-hmm. Mattis. Nope. H.R. Uh, nope. McMasters. H.R. McMasters. Uh, there's a master in there yeah. somewhere. H.R. McMasters uh, <laughs> is who was the National Security there's... Advisor before that, and then John yeah. Flynn, or Michael Flynn. Dude, we'd so... be super fucked if this was a legitimate okay. administration that had its shit together and actually had all these positions filled. So these are the correct names. The first National Security Advisor was Michael Flynn, right? Yes. He is in prison for lying to the FBI. Soon to be sentenced. The, oh, so, so he's in jail. Or yeah, he, maybe he's, he's, 
Yeah. Either way, he's going to be in prison. I don't know whether or not he's out on bail right now. He might be in jail. He might be in his house. Yeah. Either way, he's going to be sentenced soon. Will do jail time. Probably. Maybe not because he worked with the Mueller investigation. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Either way, lied to the FBI. He'll be and, out. Yeah. After that was H.R. McMaster's. Um, we also talked about that. I don't remember what the dispute was between Trump and McMaster's that sparked that. Um, yeah, I don't remember. But he resigned. And maybe, you know what I think it was? I think it was the announcement of the withdrawal from of troops from Syria. That's that what I been, think it was yeah. that caused that rift there. But either way, I'll link back to that because I don't want to misquote it. But I think that's what it was. Um, and then... I'm correct, right? It was he was the national security advisor. Yep. Yeah, and then Pre- preceded by Michael Flynn and succeeded by John R. Oh, Bolton. There we go. We got this. Still. You're fucking so, nailing it, dude. So after that was John Bolton. We discussed John Bolton when he came into the office of the national security or the position of the national security advisor. That he was very hawkish on all kinds of different regimes, right? And that's what we talked about. He's an advocate for regime change in Iran, in Venezuela, in Afghanistan, that he believes that the United States should militarily overthrow this current regime and then watch, uh, oversee democratic elections for a new leader to be placed in those countries, right? Mm-hmm. So he, That's the old democracy by force, whether right, you like it right. or not. So he has talked about... Um, he has talked about this very thing happening in Venezuela and in Iran, that he thinks there should be military action in Iran, especially when those tankers were attacked in the coast um, or in the Strait of Hormuz. Yep. He talked about military action at that time as well. That should be done. So yep. he was the one that suggested that we do the military strike on on, on targeted Iranian bases that or whatever. That the president stepped down, yeah. Yeah, and then that he stepped down. And apparently that was a big riff going forward. Right. And I can see why. Because when you, th- Michael Bolton's career has been under John the. John Bolton. God damn it. <laughs> Fucking John Bolton's I career. Mean, that's so funny. Has been in very hawkish administrations. He did yeah. a lot of time with George W. Bush. He did some time with Ronald Reagan. Um, and Trump is just not that type of guy. He's a lot more isolationist, I want to say at this point. I think between trade policies and running everything without, you know, international um, agreements. I mean, America with- First is one of like his slogans, you know. So it does. Yeah. You could you could argue um, that he is more isolationist, and certainly by the people he surrounded himself with in the in the world of Mike Pompeo, John Bolton, these people are certainly more isolationist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's his name? The immigration guy. Stephen Miller, you know, yeah. super isolationist. Isolationist. Um, they yeah. would call themselves nationalists. Some people would call them white nationalists. I don't believe that that's the case. And we've talked before that the term nationalist bears a super negative connotation that yeah. I don't think it deserves. Which is sad. Um, because I would I, – it's not the first word I would describe myself with, but I would use the term nationalist to describe myself that I feel like the focus should be on what's happening here. And then we have – a certain amount of responsibility for other things happening in the world. But I personally believe that our focus should be America first, not in the way that we say fuck other nations, but that our focus should be here because these are the people who live here. This is our main concern. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I think that's what it means to be a nationalist, you know? Yeah. I think it means, at least in, in my mind, if I was going to put it in my own words, it would be, you know, think locally. You know, buy locally when you can before you go abroad. You know, don't let's take care of shit at home before we take care of shit overseas. I mean, yeah. If 
taking care of shit overseas fixes what you have at home. That's something we can talk about. I'm not opposed to that idea that, you know, Alex Jones would probably call globalist. But, you know, I think that's what it would truly mean to be a nationalist. It means being proud of your country and everyone in your country. And for Americans, it's great because we have a shit ton of everybody in this country. And so we get to be proud of all that. Yeah. And that is... That's a true American nationalism. How in proper context is a good thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't mean it means it's like the point of view. Right. Right. You don't look at immigrants as a bad thing. You look at immigrants as adding to the good. You know, it's the same thing. You're be, you're going to become American and we want immigrants so that we can turn them into Americans. Right. That's that's what we would want. That's we just want to brainwash you into an American. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. <laughs> All you got to do is live here for a little while, and then you're already brainwashed because it's a pretty goddamn great place to hang out. Yeah. That's a very savory tasting uh, joint right there. It is you know? called Black the Russian. Willie Nelson. The Black Russian. Yeah. So, like the Big Lebowski's. The dude likes his white Russians. That's a great movie. Black mushrooms. That's a great. That's mm-hmm. a great movie. Um, so I listened to there was a press conference the day that John Bolton resigned. He was supposed to take part in a press conference uh, yep. that Mike Pompeo and Steve Mnuchin then did. It was super short. I listened to it. It was like five minutes long. Mike Pompeo and, standing up there all like pompous, like mm-hmm. yeah, like that happy that he's gone. <laughs> um, so after John Bolton was fired or resigned, and we say that because. The president said that he requested John Bolton resign or that he was fired, right? That's the president's argument in the case. Um, when John Bolton has even told reporters and has also, you know, shown like his letter of resignation that he chose to resign. So we've seen this happen before, I believe, uh, with the president saying that he fired people that have like said they resigned. I, I have yeah. to look back into that. I can't, I can't recall anything right now, but this feels familiar to me. Maybe just because we talked about it earlier this week, but, um, because after it was all over, Trump put out a tweet and said, I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House. I disagreed strongly with many of his suggestions. Excuse me, as did others in the administration. And therefore, I asked John for his resignation, which was given to me this morning. I, th- I thank John very much for his service. I will be naming a new national advisor next week. So that's something we can look out for this week as yes. you listen to the podcast. Um, John Bolton says that he offered his resignation the night before to yep. the president. <clears throat> president he- Trump told him to sleep on it and wait. And the next morning, he decided he was still going to offer his resignation. So it's like everything's technically true, but like how they're phrasing it is just like trying to get the win, at least for Trump. Because Bolton tweeted that out the following after Trump tweeted that. He said, I offered the resignation last night. And President Trump said, let's talk about it in the morning. And then he gets up and fucking tweets out, well, I fired his ass. So, so. It doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't change the way that anything is done. It doesn't. Um, but it's just a strange dispute between them that shows or is maybe indicative of a rift that may have caused the resignation to come about, right? Yeah. Um, and, and this is like another one on the pile. Yeah. Which yeah. is I th- I think that's part of why Because three and two and a half story. years is a lot. That's a lot of national security advisors. It's not strange for like some turnover in the White House, but for to have three different national security advisors in two and a half years is strange. Kind of a lot. Yes. We get so excited with the presidential debates and stuff now, but there's still 
You got We still got to make it to 2020, bro. Yeah. We got a while of this. We got to ride out still. So in that press conference, um, Mike Pompeo said that the foreign policy of the White House would not change because one member of the team is gone. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I think that's very true. I, yeah, I think that it is true because it doesn't seem that John Bolton had the influence on foreign policy that we were all concerned that he, not all, but that many people, including us, were concerned that he might when he took that position, you know? Sorry. Um, no, I dropped the bro. cherry. Um, so we, you know, obviously we'll track whether or not that happens because we said similar things about Mike Pompeo when he did, took the position that he was very hawkish. And it doesn't seem as though those two have had undue influence on the national security policy of this current administration. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's more along the lines of Mike Pompeo has bought into the way Trump does business. Yeah. And he likes the way Trump does business. Yeah. And I think that's really what this comes down to. It's, it's almost like you're losing all normality of diplomatic relations and just it's the same type of shit that we do with all Trump's trade policies and stuff like this. He just runs things himself. Right. And I think it's like, can you be on board with that or not? And I don't think he, John Bolton is old school. He did, you know, yes, he was kind of a war hawk. He was kind of a dude that was about regime change. And I think he believed it. And I think it came from the best intentions. I just think he was wrong. But he is not a yes man. He's not, he's not on board with their idea of how this shit's supposed to run. Well, if you ask Tucker Carlson, yeah, Tucker Carlson oh, would God. say that John Bolton is a man of the left, um, that the left was upset when John Bolton was gone, and that he was the most progressive person in the White House, right? Tucker Carlson's argument for this is because John Bolton was a fan of military regime change, but he wanted a democracy to be in place afterwards. Yeah. And he wanted big government to be in control of all these things because military is a piece of big government. Mm. Um I don't think that that's a valid argument or he one is that losing his fucking yeah, mind. I don't think that's an argument that holds weight. I think that he's trying to boost the president a little bit more and say, "Oh, well the president is so conservative mm-hmm. that this guy's too left to even be in the White House because he wants all these other things that leftists actually want." I don't know any people of the left that were upset that John Bolton was gone. I think most people who were concerned that he was there, probably happy that he's gone, maybe concerned about who's going to be put in place next, but I don't think that they're upset that he's gone. I think they're probably pretty happy that he's gone. So Tucker Carlson, so this is, I have a theory about Tucker Carlson. He's crazy. Because the only reason he's a thing is because O'Reilly's gone. Yeah. Right? Because O'Reilly and Glenn Beck held... Fox News's opinion um, for a very long time. Glenn Beck was the first to drop off because he got in a little bit of trouble. And then O'Reilly got in some trouble with some some sexual harassment and sexual assault type stuff. And and that just left Tucker. Carlson was there the whole time, but he was always he was kind of like the B squad. And he yeah. was forced to come up to be like the main fucking event. He was the main card of the night. Yeah. And he's just not ready for it, man. Like, I've heard him talk on Ben Shapiro's Sunday special. And just, he's done Ruben before. And he's talked to a bunch of these people. He's fucking B-Squad. As far as his mentality and his look at things. And at this point with his current mind frame, he is a very hardcore isolationist, you know, semi-conservative. Yeah. And it's, he don't belong, like anything... Tucker Carlson says this, Tucker Carlson says that, that's about as much weight as any randos, 
you know, opinions on foreign policy somewhere walking on the street. Right. Like he's not he's not a thought leader, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and he's put up in the media like he is because if everybody's gonna jump on Fox News, it's gonna be he's Tucker the Carlson. main guy that's left right now because he's the only one that was like clean yeah. when the whole shit show piled on. Uh, so I got two more notes about John Bolton. One of them is when I was listening to the New York Times, the Daily, about John Bolton, right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, did you listen to that one? I'm um, trying to remember. Was it recent? Yeah, yeah. It was just after he resigned. Um, so it was on 9-11, actually. Um, oh, maybe I didn't. So they, when it started, <laughs> they played a phone call where the Michael Barbaro is like, oh, like, is this not a good time? And the reporter's like, uh, actually, no, I have to go. There's something else. And so they hung up the yeah. phone. What's the fucking point of that? Why? Are you just, just, you're trying to show that, oh, we're so fucking busy just reporting the truth that we have to put this first phone call that we don't even, we can't even find time yeah. to do podcasts for the daily because we're so fucking busy reporting. Dude. We've talked about this before, Jesus. Don, in different contexts. The New York Times is getting desperate. They are making moves and they're trying to reach out because there is a financial problem at the New York Times. And this, the entire narrative of the entire daily show has completely and utterly shifted than what it used to be. Yeah. It is narrative driven for one, which it did not used to be. You had used to have nice little segments, right? Now you have one long narrative and it, it, it has all the telltale signs of narrative like suspense. Why did I just waste 10 seconds? Of our time listening to this because yeah. it builds suspense. Something important is happening. So stupid, dude. And that's what you're dealing with with the daily. I'm which just is sad as fuck. This close to falling off from the daily. I'm this close, especially because they're giving me sixteen nineteen every Saturday. I was just gonna say, how many sixteen nineteen episodes have you listened to? Not fucking one. Amen, not brother. One. Thank you. Thank. That you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not interested in. Trying to be made to feel guilty because I live in America in modern day and I'm mm-hmm. mostly white. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm not going to take part in that. And I'm not going to, I don't like it. I don't no. like that narrative. I don't like the fucking, you know, this is your fault and reparations and this and this. And, you know, you're just by living here in America and you have a job and, and you're making money and it's your fault that this happened. And I don't like that. Like, that's fucked up. That's racist shit. And I don't it's, appreciate it. it and I think that it's disingenuous when people are like, oh, well, you feel bad because you're guilty. No, that's not the case. I don't feel bad, but I'm Your not going to be- You have white guilt, Jonathan. Yeah, but I'm not going to be made to feel bad because you think that I should, or you're trying to mischaracterize the life that you think that I live. Like, I'm just not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to- I'm pretty sure that I have one grandparent who was born in the United States. Pretty certain. Pretty fucking certain. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's only half, but I'm pretty fucking certain I have one grandparent who was born in the United States. So why? Why should I feel guilty because I'm white in America? Because my grandma's from Canada? Because my other grandpa's from Ireland? Because my other grandma's from Mexico? For what fucking reason should I feel guilty? Like it's American a, guilt. Why? I, that's so ridiculous to me. And I'm just, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to take part. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm the opposite, that. man. My, my family's been here since the Civil War. So, and come to find out, <laughs> most of my family that lived in that era were on the Confederacy. So maybe I got some white guilt going maybe. on. Because I'm one of those people. If reparations becomes a thing. You owe money, bitch. I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. Because a bunch of my my old relatives 
We're on the Confederacy, so I'm going to assume that they're a bunch of racist fucks that like, yeah. wanted to keep people in chains. I'm going to have to pay for that, apparently. Yeah. So, you know how I love like a good, opaque segue? Yep. I'm really hoping you're done talking with John Bolton, because you know who else I think has been listening to the 1619 podcast? Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. So, there's one thing I want to ask you about <laughs> <Damn> before. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's separate from John Bolton. That's okay. more on the Taliban tilt, right? So, you work. Excuse me. I have a cousin who is in the Air Force, and she is currently in Afghanistan, right? Word. So, we've been talking back and forth, just chatting it up and doing whatever, right? Also, Ben Shapiro said that John Bolton is a Bush-era holdover. I'm like... First of all, Barack Obama was president for eight years in between fucking George Bush and now. And there was two other dudes who was in this spot before fucking John Bolton. So yeah, I'm not say, sure how he's a holdover if he was out of government for fucking 10 years. Yeah, I would say if he was the first one to have the job, then, then he was a holdover because that is a thing between yeah. parties, between which party is in power. Right. That person won't have a job until the next Republican president gets there. Was place. two other dudes, yeah. And in this case, that don't make sense, ho- yeah. homie. So that's invalid. Okay, so <laughs> I was talking to my cousin, and <clears throat> we're just talking about you know differences between Afghanistan and America and all whatever, right? So I shared with her one of the things I thought about America was that like our country was founded on unity. Right. And for, for, a, for not if you listen to 1690. So, um, and she for a moment disagreed. And then we talked about it more. Right. And so uh-huh. my, I explained myself in saying that I felt like here, maybe I'll just fucking, mm. I'll just pull up the text so that I pull can. Pull the text. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So I'm, I'm, I am going to have to listen to those 1619. So, yeah. Just because so, I need to know what hot trash, just like I listened to Pod Save America. I'm not going to read her text because I didn't ask her about this first, um, but I'll read the things that I said and then we can, you know, move on. If there's contextual requirements, you can like paraphrase. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I will do that. Right. So, so I said we were talking about, said that they had had a conversation amongst her and some others, like her platoon mates about it was like, Afghan Liberation Day or Afghan Independence Day. And they were just talking about how weird that was because like they just don't seem united at all. There's just so much division amongst that country. And I said, well, you would have a better idea than I do. But I think that having an active war in your country would affect that. If we had two different quote unquote military groups, really one army and some militias actively fighting in our country for 18 years, I think it would change us. I don't think that that sense of unity would ever go away from us. It's, But I don't think that that sense of unity would ever go away from us. It's how our country was born, was through unity. I also said, also their country and culture is a million times older than ours, so they have some weird backward shit that hasn't evolved with time because there are cultural problems in the modern world. That's one of the things I've heard and just dis- I've heard discussed consistently is just how incredibly different our cultures are and how old and different how old and traditional theirs is, right? Just very different between all, our culture and theirs. I think that's very important. So she said that she disagreed um, and that we had some fucked up things in our country in the past, but now we were united because people, women of color and gay people and disabled people were able to speak openly and things that they wanted. Um, and that our country is divided now, but it's also more united than ever because of those things. Um, I was confused as to why she disagreed with my description of our country being founded in unity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, I'm 
what I meant by that is people coming together to fight for one cause. The states and the different militias and even the different congresses had to come together to write a document that separated us from the British and then fight them in order to enforce that document, right? Oh, yeah. So that's why I say that, is I feel that had we not come together, right? Because even if they're watching John Adams, right? You can see kind of how that happened from his own diaries, you know, so from his perspective. But there was all kinds of debate. You had to convince people in other states that independence from the British was the right way to go. It wasn't a unanimous decision all of a sudden one day that this is what they were going to do. Huge amount of debate, huge amount of discussion to convince people, well, this, listen, we got to do this. This is the only way to go, you know? And even then, you're just, you're kind of like, Deal making with people to get their vote so you can do it, you know? Well, because at its core, you got to remember, this is a revolution. Right. This was a successful revolution. We were a bunch of fucking outlaws at one point because we said, no, nah, fuck this. We want we want out. We want our own shit. We, we got our opportunity. We got a good place to do it. We're fucking doing this. Now's the time. So, I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. of... If you could think of one or if one is too hard, but a couple of words that you think describe like it is a founding ideal or a building block of the United States, right? For me, unity is one of those things, right? For that reason that it is, it is in our birth as a nation that we come together to get something done that needs to be done. You know, mm-hmm. we've done that all the times through the past in the different wars have been in world war two. When all the men are gone, the women are like, well, this is our job. This, this is our responsibility now to do our part. We're going to work. We're going to make all these things. You know what I'm saying? So we've done, and we've come together to get things done because that's what we've had to do. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, I feel unity is, is a building block of America. It's one of our founding ideals. Yep. And I think if I'm going to, because my answer is that is 50% of the way there. There's two building blocks. Unity and the balance it has with independence. Because, yes, we are all united and we were and we always have been and we continue to be even to this day, even with the social problems that we have, which I think is a different conversation altogether. As a whole society we are more united than we've ever been before that's why we have these problems because now somebody gets on social media in new york they're they might as well be in your living room with you right so we're more united than ever all day and night but we also founded this country on independence which is as we are united we are all equally independently individual yeah that Combined with unity, because if we were all about unity, one sole thing, unity, we'd be the perfect communist through and through, right? You know what I mean? Whereas, but we cherish the independence that is innate to humanity with that. And so that, I think, combined with unity is where I would answer your question. Word. I fuck with that answer in a major Boom, way. Baby. I like that a lot. So there you go. So it that's happens just every a, now and again. It yeah. usually happens when I'm slightly stoned. So that was just like it's just a conversation we were having. I thought it was interesting what she said. Uh, yeah. No, that was that was fucking healthy. I like what you had to say as well. It's the it's like the polar opposite of our new segment in the pre-show. Yeah, where it's yes. like terrible shit that happens on social media. Like that might not have happened on social media, but it was through you know, text back and forth, right, and, you right. know, the modern era communication. And that right there, that's 
that's what should be happening on Facebook. It was rad. You know, that is pretty dope. Yeah. So, like you said, Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> fuck Beto O'Rourke. 1619. So, yeah. Because um, according to Beto, during the debate, we're just going to throw this out there before we get into it. Beto liked to claim that the foundation, the founding of the country wasn't 1776. On the 4th of July, it was... 1619, when the first yeah. African-American slave was brought over here to help establish white I want to say it was dominance. August 3rd? Is that what it was? I don't know. I've, again, I've not listened to that podcast, and I'm not like yeah shitting on it and saying that it's fucking stupid, right? I'm not saying anything like that. It's probably produced really well. The shit that I'm they sure. make is really good. I'm sure that it's entertaining, but it's I'm just... also why they need a shit ton of extra money. But I just don't want to, like I said, take part in something that is partially constructed for as for me to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not interested. I have way too many notes to find. I wrote the date down. I, I think it was August or September at some point. Yeah. But regardless. So, um, so I, I just, I have one request before we get into debates. Yes. Can we go in chronological chronological order by like topic as it um, were? Yeah. I just wrote things, like I said, as they happened. So Perfect. They'll be Perfect. by topic, just kind of by virtue. Because um, I need to get like a big notebook like yours with <clears throat> this little sheet. And you write nice and small and stuff. Small. And I got this big ass chicken scratch. It's so much nicer to write notes and stuff by hand than try to be able to do it on the computer and stuff. Yeah. And so I've really adopted that, but I need a new system. So I'm going after you. So today I have like eight to 10 pages (laughs) just on the debate. Um, So these ones I have are just little like opening topic ones. First, I said, how dare Julian Castro compare himself to JFK? Because he compared himself to JFK and like two or three other people. And I was genuinely offended that I was like, who the fuck do you think you are? Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm like JFK, bitch. Sit the fuck down. You're like JFK. Get the fuck out of here. Right. I was not happy about that. This was during opening statements? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there was one um, thing I wanted to add right at the beginning. Is yes. Fucking shout out to ABC. This is, I think, their second debate they've hosted, I want to say. I think this is the first ABC one. MSNBC and then CNN had one. Okay. Well, they did it. Very well, yeah. I think, in my mind. Their their moderators were the moderators. That's that's not a thing I'm thinking about. But just overall broadcast, it was on YouTube. It was on Twitter. It was yes. everywhere. Every person had, if they had, you know, the, I don't want to say not everybody, because most people have a smartphone at some point. Yes. And you can get a Twitter account for free. And you can get a YouTube account for free. And you can watch all these things as long as you have access to the internet as well as it being on cable news and stuff too, which was not what fucking CNN did. I think it was MSNBC that made it really hard to find. Yeah. Um, either way, whoever hosted the last debate, they were not posted online. It was no. super difficult to watch. Um, I'm going with CNN because I fucking think? hate CNN. Either way, fuck whoever hosted the last debates. Before oh shit! ABC. I think I might even tweeted about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because it was it was great. Yeah. Because I. I work a lot, like most Americans. I don't necessarily get home by 5 o'clock to be able to watch the debates. Right. And so, I was like a half hour, an hour late. And so, I was able to go onto YouTube and just rewind it to the beginning. That's cool. And it was so nice. Um, And the next thing I have is that Beto in his opening statements are still using the president 
um, as a cause for the El Paso shooting, calling him white supremacist, yeah. still running with the same narrative. We talked about that previously, that it's been, f- whatever, scientifically fucking proven that, like, speech is not what influences people to make yeah. actions. It's, that's, I'm not even going to get into what that he again, did. But- that was the same note I had on him in his yeah. opening statement. It was, he directly equated Trump's rhetoric causing the El Paso shooter. Yeah. Which, in his fucking manifesto, he pointed out was not the case. Yeah. He said, "This I'm not doing this because of Trump. I'm doing it because of blah, 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 blah. I could still see how a wrong-minded person could, could find connections that don't make sense, but... But you're running for president. You need to be better than that. Um, Andrew Yang said in his opening statement that he was going to use money from his campaign funds yep. to give 10 people the freedom dividend for the next year, which he's done, I think, with three or four other people already mm-hmm. just along the campaign trail. He's picked people who've signed up on his website to get $1,000 a month for a year to see how it influences their life. After he did that, Mayor Pete was the next one up, and him and Kamala Harris literally laughed at Andrew Yang. Kamala Harris laughed a lot, by the way. So... Fuck Mayor Pete and fuck Kamala Harris for literally laughing at Andrew Yang. When you're talking about trying to get rid of money in politics, this guy's like, wait, wait, wait. Fuck using it on my campaign. I'm going to give it back to you. You guys just donated to me. I'm going to show you this works. I'm going to give out a fucking $100,000 a month for a year. You know what I'm saying? Or $10,000, sorry. (laughs) $10,000 a month for a year. You know? Like, but that's laughable. So fucking stupid, you know? Yeah, heaven forbid somebody on that debate stage literally put their money where their mouth is. But that's laughable, you know? Yeah. Mayor Pete's like, oh, that's original. I'll give you that. Like, Oh, God. And before the, fuck, the debate dude? was over, articles were being written asking about the legality of him doing that. Yeah. Because they were like, no, 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 motherfucker. You can't do this. Campaign finance. Campaign finance. Dude, he's an Asian that loves math. You don't think he can figure that shit out? He wouldn't say it if he didn't know he could do it. You exactly. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Frustrating. So, And I say that only because I'm not racist because he says it himself and it is a great catch line. Yes. Um, after that, I think the first thing I have is about guns, right? Because I'm pretty oh, sure that it was Kamala Harris talking about guns. And okay. she was talking about how she had spoken to kids who, you know, a child in particular who thought it was fucked up that he had to do an intruder drill, right? That he did an active shooter drill. Yeah. I I grew up, I was born in 1994, right? I graduated in 2013. I started school in 2000, right? So I went to school from 2000, 2013, public school. I did intruder drills every year. I was in public school from 2000 to 2013, whether I was in kindergarten or senior year, we were doing intruder drills in school, right? Yes. And I'm not, they were not called active shooter drills. They no. were intruder drills. Yeah. In case someone was on the property who wasn't supposed to be there, who was in the school who wasn't supposed to be there, whatever the deal was, they were never saying it's somebody with a knife, it's whatever the fuck, right? But the same thing was happening. We were being placed in the corner with the least amount of visibility from the windows in the classrooms, right? You will never convince me children should not know what to do if presented with the horrible circumstance that someone who should not be there is in their school, right? I'm not saying it's great they should be there. In a perfect world, no one would ever do anything horrible at a school, and children would never have to worry about it. There would be no fires there. There would never be an earthquake that impacted it. No one would ever go there. But that's not the case. Things happen. Even if it's not a school shooting— 
crazy drunk people, whatever the fuck. People show up there. We had a fucking bear on our school property once. And mm-hmm. so we went into the same thing. It was an intruder drill. It wasn't because someone was walking around the school wanting to kill kids, but there was a bear on the property. We had to wait, right? Yeah, I don't no remember shit. where like, the fucking bear came from. Super random, super weird. But that's a thing that happened, right? I remember doing the same thing. Because I was like, yeah, we've never had... We don't have mass shooter drills or anything. But we had... Intruder I'm trying drills. to remember what it was. But essentially, they didn't call it an intruder drill, but it was the same thing. Yeah. It was because every now and again... You would have like a homeless guy come by or something like, or somebody that was tripping on something. And you what would I'm do saying. that, that type of thing. I mean, fuck. I, I don't think it happened while I was at school, but like there are sightings all the time of like cougars around here. Word. And like, so maybe it was a couple little, that makes more sense, but it was some well, wild way. shit that was dangerous as fuck for kids. Yeah. You know? It's like you don't need little kids running around that. Little kids are food to that. Had a bunch you need of dogs to get them out there the fuck once, inside. Like a pack of dogs out there once. I remember exactly. that. Like, Shit's not just, safe. Everybody yeah. hang inside, be safe. You know what like, I'm saying? Yeah. So you I I am not brushing over, like I said, in a perfect world that would never be necessary. Mm-hmm. But in a world where that shit is happening. You will never convince me that my child, Dax, when he goes to school, should not know what to do if presented with that circumstance. He should know what to do. Just like if he's at home, you're supposed to practice fucking fire drills and shit at home. You're supposed to know what to do, where to meet, where your shit is. Why are, Why should we not do that at school? Why is that not the same thing? If a robber comes into my home while we're all sleeping at night, should my son and my wife not know what I expect them to do while I'm trying to do what I can to protect the house? Yep. They absolutely know what they should do. Our son is eight months old. Jordan knows that if someone comes into the house, what she is supposed to do. She knows what she's supposed to do if I'm not home and someone comes into the house. We've talked about it. We don't fucking practice it. We don't drill it all the time. But she knows what she's supposed to do. Because why should she not? The same situation. So unlikely. We have a fucking door on the side of our house that comes to our basement apartment. The likelihood that if someone does come to our house, that they come to our door instead of upstairs, minute as fuck. She still needs to know what to do in case that does happen. In Definitely. the weird, stupid off chance that that happens, she should know what to do. Well, this is why I was in the military. Military drills all the fucking time. Yeah. Constantly. And it's because it literally becomes muscle memory. And it allows you to be in an emergency situation to do the things you need to do without even thinking of them. And those precious seconds you're, sha- you're shaving off of your time. Absolutely. I mean, it could help save the ship. It could help save somebody's life. It's the same thing with, like you said, your your home version of those things. Like people need to have plans in place. And when you're talking about school shootings, it is no difference than doing a man overboard drill. Yeah. If I'm the rescue swimmer and I'm in the middle of cooking dinner for 35 fucking people within two minutes flat. I am changed out into the most cold weather gear I have ready to go into the icy ocean Right next, within less than two minutes. Yeah. And still make sure that nothing's going to catch on fucking fire in the kitchen because that is something you have to think about. Right. Like all these things. You can't and leave if everything's still turned on and it's going to catch on exactly. fire while you're gone. And at the same time, one guy standing on the deck of the ship ready to jump over the, over the side to go rescue somebody. It's one person doing that alone is not going to save that person. It requires right. everybody to do the same thing. And when you see that, mechanism that human machine take hold and everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to do and being at where they need to be ready before they need to it's amazing to watch happen and to just say that like nobody should ever have to deal with that 
I think you have a very valid point that that is something that, no, that could save lives. Yeah. You need to do that. It's it's a reality. And whether you're talking about a fucking bear or a cougar, an active Pack shooter, of dogs. Doesn't matter. That should be taught because everybody should know those types of skills. Yeah. Like we talked about in the last few episodes, when you go into a movie theater, we're automatically thinking about what we would do if this scenario happened. Because you want to be ready. It's the same reason that when you start to conceal Being carry smart. or open carry, you practice your draw. You know, yeah. so that it you hope again, I hope to never ever have to use my concealed carry gun ever. That would be fantastic. If I go my whole life and don't ever have to take someone's life or even draw my gun on someone, that'd be fucking great. I would love that. That would be awesome. That's like the goal, right? Yeah. But should the occasion come about, I don't want to be fumbling with my fucking shirt and jacket and gun and dropping my shit and not know what to do because I've never done that before, you know? So that's something that I do. I I know the trigger pull my gun. I know exactly how hard I can squeeze it, how far I can pull it back before it's going to fire, when it's going to fire. Those are things that you practice. Those are things you should know. You know, you should be that well acquainted with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like I said, for my own child, I expect that he knows what to do if something like that happens in his school. When Mm -hmm. I was in kindergarten, we had that fat ass earthquake, the biggest one we've had in like several decades. I was in kindergarten. I was in junior high. So we didn't really know what to do, not because we weren't trained, because we were in kindergarten. We had only been there for one year, so we did maybe one earthquake drill. But we all still listened well enough to get on the tables. But it's shit like that that it we haven't had an earthquake like like that since then. It's been twenty years, twenty whatever, you know, sixteen years since then. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had one since then. We're still doing earthquake drills every day. Or not every day, but every yeah. month we're doing an earthquake drill. We're still doing fire drills every it's part month. Part of the, the drill curriculum still. It's it's shit that you need to know how to do. Yep. You will no one will ever convince me that kids should not be doing that in school. Even if we are at a point ten years from now where mass shootings don't exist in America. However it happens, however we got there, ten years from now, they don't exist. It doesn't happen. We have one a year. It's so fucking rare. You know, we rarely even discuss it anymore. I still want my son to be doing that in school. I still want that to be happening because what if that happens? What if it does? Just because it doesn't happen regularly doesn't mean you shouldn't know what to do. Yeah. I don't, I will never agree with that. I do, you know, and I'm not trying to be closed minded, but that's, that seems ignorant to me. Just that, you know, we should never even be doing these. Like, that's error on the side of caution. That seems ignorant to me. Yeah. And I think to bring this back to the debate and Kamala Harris, I think that that, the phraseology, if you will, of how she put that and told that story, yeah, I think is a problem that I have with her that ran pretty throughout the entire debate. In almost every one of her things, that was something I feel like was representative. Like yeah. I sent you that tweet last night about the segregated schools. Right, right. And so when we get to that, that's another example of that because I had a conversation with Carolina about it last night and I was very good and I didn't go super hardcore like objective logical you know yeah. had a nice balance we had a great conversation and she showed me a different side of perspective of that which I think might be the way that she intended it yes yeah but uh well even even when you're talking about I don't remember what her and Joe Biden were getting into it about right but school busing he, 
Is that what it was this time around that oh, he no, said? Oh, no, this time around? It no. was, yeah, it was something that he said that he wasn't willing to do because he wasn't sure that it was constitutional. Right? Executive orders. And that's that's what it was, right? It was an executive order on gun laws. And he said, well, I'm not going to do anything that I don't know is constitutional. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, well, I would say, Joe, instead of saying, no, we can't, why don't we say, yes, we can? Oh, no, but so how she said it was more important almost right, than that what she's she like, said. She's like making fun of him, you know, exactly. like, oh, you're just not even willing to try. And he's like, well, hold the fuck up. I'm pretty sure it's unconstitutional. And he said that. He's like, wait, we have a constitution. That's unconstitutional. Like, I'm not, I'm closed minded because I'm closed minded because it's illegal. It would be illegal for us to do something like that. And that's why it's not been done. I'm not saying that I think it's a terrible idea. I'm not even willing to try. I'm not willing to try because I don't want to go to prison because it's illegal. That's why I'm not willing to try. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm pretty sure she's done. I'm pretty sure that Kamala Harris is done after this. I don't think she's not going to surge the way that she needed to to get enough money to keep going. Definitely not. Everyone that was on that debate stage, there was 10 of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, We didn't go over this. So real quick, it was Amy Klobuchar, uh, Cory Booker. I always forget who was standing next to her because Cory Booker was almost invisible throughout the debate. (laughs) He sucks. Pete Buttigieg. You had... Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, Julian Castro, and Andrew Yang. Wow. The only person I threw out of order was Andrew Yang. Nice. From, if you're looking on stage left to stage right. Yeah. Good job. Boom. Good job. Well, at this point, you know, I'm so... Oh, and I had it written down. I didn't even notice that. Shit. That would have been nice. (laughs) The next thing um, was... Beto, right, was talking about a forced buyback, right? Well, the Where very he... first topic they got into was healthcare. Yes. And that ran for almost a half hour. Yeah. It was a long thing. But and you have some at stuff the end of the day, about that. Really, the only notable thing, because other than everybody being on board for some kind and pushing some kind of Medicare for All program or Medicare for All Who Want It program. The only real thing that stood out was Joe Biden basically calling everybody out and say, how much is this fucking going to cost? Right. Nobody's willing to answer that. And of course, nobody did. Except for Joe Biden. He, yes. He said, he said, yeah, like what I'm talking about is going to cost a couple billion dollars. Like I'm not saying that it's not going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, it was but- seven, $74 billion a year. $74 billion, I think, over 10 years. But when you're talking about Medicare for all, it's like several Th- trillion dollars. Yeah, like 30-some trillion dollars over, over 10, 10 years. years. Which is, un- uh, I mean, it's more than the national debt that we have right now. Yeah. Tripled, I mean, but, you know, oh, times 10, over 10 yeah. years. So, and every one of them he called out said that it requires more money than we take in GDP every year. Yeah. You know, that's not including the cost of interest on the debt. And I started to, I, I became really frustrated for the same reason that we kind of talked about when Isaiah was here, right? That I don't feel represented in any of these discussions about healthcare. You At know? all. That I don't, no, I don't love my healthcare because I wish that the deductible was lower and I wish that, I, I don't pay the premium again, but I wish that it was lower because it should not be that much money. I also wish that my deductible was lower, so I don't love it, but I also take active steps in my life to make sure that I don't need to use it very much, right? Yeah. And if a plan were to go into place that was Medicare for all, I would not save money every year because maybe if I'm certainly... 
if something were to happen, I would save money every year. But right now, if it switches over to Medicare and I, me or Jordan or Dax doesn't need surgery for the next 10 years, it's going to cost me a shitload of money and I'm going to lose out. I'm going to lose money because I'm not in a position to gain any type of benefits from the state or from the government. I'm just, it's just going to cost me money. I'm just going to have less money. My family will be in a worse place if that happens. And that concerns me that that's not discussed at all, you know, because I I don't think that's that rare. No. And I think that's the major problem here with this conversation going about healthcare right now and this, this universal coverage ideal that everybody's going for is, you know, most people will not say that when you talk about Medicare for all, the people that are getting covered through their employer, you know, the best example, the most cost-effective answer is probably when you look at unions. You pay a certain amount every month, but like it's a fraction of what everyone else pays, right? right? And even where you work, you guys pay a fraction of what I would pay, which obviously means I can't afford it. And so what you're doing is now you're saying that, okay, if Obamacare – for example, is $500 a month. Yeah. And Joe Biden wants to pull, pull, you know, if everybody wants to pull you out of that and put you on Medicare for all, and it's going to cost you $500 a month. Well, maybe through your employee, you were spending $350 a month on it. And you're still not happy with that because it's still a shit ton of money, but you know, you're not the union guy who's paying 25 bucks a month on it. And now all of a sudden you're going to have to pay $500 for that, where that might be a break for me because I can't afford the eight hundred plus dollars it's going to cost me this month. Now you can afford the five hundred. So yeah, the people who are paying less are going to pay more, more, and the people that are going to pay more now are going to pay less. But the people that pay more now may not necessarily be paying for it because they can't pay for it. Right. And now they're gonna. Now you're just gonna suck another five hundred dollars a month out of their pocket. And I understand that obviously the idea of most bills is for the whole and not for individuals amongst it. There are people in every bill, every law that will lose out. There are some people who will not benefit from that law, right? Yeah. But again, I I know that I'm not alone in this. I know that I'm not the only one. There's at least 40 people who I work with who are in a similar situation as me, right? And not the fact that they're living on the line of that they would their family would be in detriment were they to be charged 500 more dollars or whatever on their taxes. But that they will not be in a better place with Medicare for all than they are now. And I know that that is not incredibly unique. You no. Know? And so it's strange to me that – and maybe because they've only been to you know two fucking states or whatever that they're like, I haven't heard anybody who doesn't like this plan. That's really weird. That's really, really strange because I have not heard that. I have not heard many people who are in favor of that. So where the fuck have you been? Yeah. Only in Iowa. You know, like that doesn't – that's weird. Wait, like Iowa have a union presence. You know, so I that's – it's very strange. And that's that – Elizabeth Warren talks a lot about that that strengthening the presence, presence of unions. I mean, she, she hit on unions about every topic that they covered. And I think that's what the majority of the problem is here. I mean, unions – when you work for a union, a strong – large union you're getting wages pretty damn close to the government contractors yeah you know whereas in the private industry people aren't making that kind of money period they're not even making half that kind of money you know a a government personnel or a union guy doing my job is making twice as much as i do per hour twice as much 
there is a lot of incentive for that because it's a it's a good gig, but the problem is it kind of shuts out the private market, and that's it's a whole other conversation about unions. But when she talks about people like, you know, like unions being able to hold on to the the healthcare that they fought so hard to get and all this, like, yeah, you're really complicating the situation because now you still have to have those insurers or you have to meet those exact requirements for those special interest groups, if you want to label them that, that you're going to have to conform to and not just put everybody on a completely level playing field. It's, right. Even though that's what you're that selling. You, yeah. And you cannot, you're promising things you cannot sell. You cannot do that. Yeah. Exactly. Like fuck, the government is not good at doing damn near anything. Yeah, and you think you're getting, that's we're the best way to do this. So what? Yeah, so that's one of my biggest problems is is the absolute lack of honesty. I gotta go pee so fucking bad. Oh well, we can. Uh, Let's finish like healthcare. Yeah, so that's that's one of my biggest problems, especially with Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, is the complete unwillingness to be honest, right? About yep. the cost, about the fact that it won't cover everybody, that it they won't, only talk it won't about fix it for everybody. And they talked about, Joe Biden especially talked about the 149 million people that will lose their insurance when private insurance is is made illegal mm-hmm. amongst or under Medicare for all. That those people will have to get rid of a plan that whether or not they like it, they won't have it anymore. Yep. And they will have to go on to this Medicare for all plan. And into, like they will lose the their insurance. Like and they're just not talking about it. Nobody is gonna, you know, mm-hmm. there's gonna be no gap. There's not gonna be anything. If you're really gonna try and tell me there will be no lapse in service, if you are going to completely overhaul the Medicare <laughs> system, the medical insurance system there will be no gap of service. Not one Dude. person will have even a single missed service, prescription, anything, because you're of how this well this is going to go. Mm-hmm. You're you have cable, lying. right? Yeah. Okay. So one of the points that people make all the time about Medicare is that people that are on love medic that are on Medicare love Medicare, right? The vast majority of people that are on Medicare are. In the retirement age. Yeah, yeah. You know? When was the last time you saw a commercial for Medicare that was not driven towards people that are later in life? And supplemental insurance. Supplemental plans. Like because Medicare doesn't cover everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well you you we can get you plan B, C, and D, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And it so, only costs you a little bit more every month for you to get. And I think when people tout this number about people that are happy with Medicare. Yeah. Or because Medicare has a relatively niche market that's that runs their bottom line for the most part, and they have developed the ability to service that portion of the population. You know, the the ailments that come to people that are usually later in life are all very similar for the most part. It's the very common things. And so you develop programs and networks that are able to treat those type of ailments. Not the same people that are going to be getting sick our age. Right. And so it's, they're throwing out this false statistic essentially of like, yeah, people love Medicare. It's like, well, yeah, the people that are on Medicare love Medicare because Medicare was built for them. Yeah. And you're going to throw everyone on there? Not a good idea, man. Not a good idea. Especially all these people who 
have chosen to go without medical insurance, right? They've chosen not to choose medical insurance through the Obamacare marketplace. So, oh, there's a whole new wave, you know, of like hipsters and whatnot that are eating healthy. They don't want to go to regular doctors. They don't want to do all this shit. You're still going to charge those people every month for insurance that they don't want to use and don't want to have. They're way more willing. There's a whole slew of people that are more willing to take on the full cost of an operation instead of buy health insurance, right? Yep. Why should that person not have that option? It's fucking stupid, I think, right? Stupid. But if that's what you want to do, now you don't have that option anymore. You Mm -hmm. have to have this insurance and it's going to cost you money every month that you weren't paying before. That person also is not going to be happy if they're not buying prescriptions, they're not going to the doctor, they're just eating well, they're exercising, they're doing all this shit that they think is going to benefit them in the future. That person's not going to be happy, and that's not a small community of people. That's a large community of people and growing community of people who would rather do that. People like you who would rather pay cash to see a doctor who's willing to take cash because you don't hardly ever go to the doctor – it's going to cost you more money and you are not alone. You're probably a larger community than I am of people in your situation. Those people will not benefit from this. That is not nope. a positive for you to lose money on your taxes that you're not paying every month in healthcare except for whatever you're paying to that fucking doctor every month, you know, which is fucking shit compared to health insurance. Hell yeah, baby. So you weird. Know, covers what I need. Yeah. I mean, if something major happens, then I'm kind of fucked, but then I'll just go in debt like uh, as if I went to medical school. It'll be fine. You know, I'm not too worried about it. It's dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. And I think that speaks at the the larger problem with talking about this whole Medicare for all system. Yeah. That everybody's running on it on it's the Democratic dishonest. Party. It's dishonest. And disingenuous. Because there are ways that we could actually legitimately talk about this. This is not and it. People might be interested, but this is not the way to do it. Yeah. And so that's that's wrong. So we're going to take a quick break real big. Quick break real big. Uh, yep. Quick break. And we will be back. We're going to talk a little bit about guns, a little about the NRA. I have some stuff. Or I just have a couple more things that we're going to talk about some sports. Do our picks. And we're going to get the fuck out of here. Boom, so, baby. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. I really hope you're loving this week's episode of Salt of the Streets podcast. Well, did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a really good person, you can even donate that PodCoin to various charities. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code just for you. Simply use our code SALTPOD, that's S-A-L-T-P-O-D, SALTPOD, and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of them on there, you can get what I like to get at Starbucks, a nice grande nitro cold brew purely on us. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast right now or virtually any other podcast right now on PodCoin. And make sure to sign up with our code, SALTPOD, S-A-L-T-P-O-D, SALTPOD. I swear, it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Here we are. So do you want to, let's see, so we hit healthcare. Um, yeah, so the next thing, so we're talking about guns now. Um, because Beto O'Rourke came out and reaffirmed something you talked about before, and he said, hell yes, we're going to take your ARs and your AK-47s. Right. right. So he said that were he to become president, there absolutely would be a federal gun buyback and an assault weapons ban. Um, an idea that I think he will meet with much issue, um, God forbid he become president, 
Um, and then he tries to institute something like this. I do not think that it will work out well. I think if you have just a buyback, right? Where people like who optional people who are buyback. willing to turn in their guns. There's all any number of people who own ARs that are like, I, I'm willing to give it up. I don't need it. There's a whole slew of people who are on that tilt, right? Also a whole slew of people that say, fuck you. I own what I own and it's my own fucking business. Um, that I think, like I said, the forced buyback, I think will be met with much opposition. I told you myself, we're forced buyback to even say that it's in the works. I'm going out and buying an AR that day. I don't have an immediate need or even want for an AR or any type of rifle like that. But if that's announced that they're going to force people to get rid of the weapons they own, I'm going and buying one that day. That's what I'm doing that day is doing whatever I have to do to make sure that that's what gets done. That's ludicrous. That's not something that I can get behind. I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's super dangerous. I don't I think know it, if it would be constitutional. I, and I think it will be met with armed conflict. Um, yeah. I truly believe that to be the case. If you are to go to people's homes and forcibly take weapons out of them, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of people that die because they're in gunfights with the cops in their house. Yeah, that's um, that I would think be, that's going to be a thing that happens. That would be a pretty tragic. I also think that you would meet era. a whole bunch of law enforcement officers around the United States that refuse to enforce something like that, that mm-hmm. would not uphold a forced gun buyback, that they would not go to people's homes and collect their weapons. Yeah, that if, the federal government would have to come in and do that. Yeah, I think that's one of the, you know, you, you kind of hear that generally thrown around every now and again these days is this idea that we're heading towards a new civil war. Yeah. And I think that's crazy for the most part, but I think that would be one of the few platforms at which you could start that. That could be a catalyst for And I hate to say it, but this isn't over slavery and non-slavery. This is about the guys that have the guns and the guys that don't have the guns. Yeah. There's only going to be one winner there. And there's a whole bunch of people, you know, there's all kinds of memes and shit that you can find on the internet that's like a cartoon of a person standing with an AR and then a a tank in front of them and they're like, oh, you want to use this to defend yourself against Mm -hmm. the government? It's like, well, but it's not about one dude with an AR. It's about... 10 people in a neighborhood who have ARs that are all blocking off their neighborhood that are doing shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's about entire counties and states and countries of people that have ARs that have different weaponry that they're willing to use to defend themselves against the government, right? That's I mean, that is the definitional version of tyranny. This is the government coming into your house and, you know, splitting your secondary, you know, your Second Amendment right. Yeah. Right down the middle. It's like you might still have some of it, but we're taking part of that. Yeah. So that is not something I think is feasible in the United States. Um, after that, they talked about gun licenses. Um, yeah. It's and, a Cory Booker thing. Yeah. Yeah. And something that a couple other people have signed on to. Yeah. Um, and it's not a federal gun license is not something I think I'm immediately opposed to, but I'd like to hear more about it as far as like what the requirements are going to be. Because if the federal gun license is just as for the same thing I had to go through for my CPL, I just have to go and apply for it. It's not something I'm totally opposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because when you buy a firearm through a licensed dealer, it's, it's cataloged and registered with the federal government anyway. So if you, if you already own a pistol or rifle or any type of firearm that you've purchased through a licensed dealer, they already know you have a gun anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm not immediately concerned about like the registration aspect of it, like a gun registry, you know, that people are like, oh, well, mm-hmm. then the government knows, you know, who has guns and who doesn't. It's like, well, unless you bought every single one of your guns through a private dealer, then they know already anyway. You know, they may not know exactly what you have because you probably or may have purchased other things through a private dealer and some things through a licensed dealer or whatever, but 
if you have a gun through a licensed dealer, federal government already knows. Yeah, because you know? you, I mean, you fill out your address and social security and, number, and, and all that's stuff. where a gun license will come into play anyway. Because I imagine if you're buying a gun through a private dealer, they and they're not going to run a background check or register the weapon. They don't give a shit about your gun license anyway. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that's just an assumption. So. I'm not immediately opposed to that. Again, it's not something like, yeah, I think that's a great idea, but I'm not immediately opposed to that the same way that I am the assault weapons man. When we're talking about high capacity magazines, things like that, that I'm like, well, hold the fuck on, right? But I would like much more information about a federal gun license before it's something that I'll buy into, you know? Yeah. So, And I get that. And I, you know, because my major opposition to it is that idea of the registration and the listing and all this stuff. I have a problem with Oktoberfest beers. Yeah, I know that you're. This is not a bad one. Yeah, no. The last Black Raven fucking like specialty beer I had was not good, and I was debating whether or not to buy it. But I had like a like a festive red ale once that had like a lot of clove and shit in it and it was really gross and it was from black raven i was not a huge fan of that but that one's pretty good yeah that one's not bad um but like i was saying federal gun license the idea of the registry is a official you know the first reaction i go no 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 no. i don't want that but then when you really think about it like you just laid out it's like when i bought my rifle they know you have to do it They they already know i have it yeah um so really it's it's already there. Yeah. So the only concern I would bring up at that point is by by requiring a licensing program at this point, there's obviously there's going to be fees you have to pay. Yeah. Because there yeah. are bureaucrats and people that push papers around that you have to pay their salaries. Yeah. And the now you have just inadvertently increased the cost of that firearm, mm-hmm. which might price some people out of and i would certainly i would have to be in an area that is not cost prohibitive right because like i said in the in the realm of of the cpo and the concealed pistol license it was 50 dollars, right if i'm gonna go and buy a gun that's 600 dollars anyway and then a bunch of ammo five box ammo i think i bought at the time the 50 dollars is not cost prohibitive right yeah but if it's Another it should not be. But if you have right, but if you have I mean, I can see where if you've budgeted an exact amount of money, it could be, but yeah. then it's also a, just a matter of another two weeks, you know, of spend of saving money to get this license. So yeah. Um so I don't it like I said, that is also one of the things that depends for me. You know, if it's another six hundred dollars for you to get a federal gun license, I'm like, well, also it's my right to do this anyway. So fuck you. I mm-hmm. shouldn't have to I shouldn't be priced out of it because you want to catalog everyone who wants to own a gun, you know? Yeah. Um It's almost like I don't know, it's weird to think about, but like registering your car, for example. It the price for that continues to go up and up right. and up and right. up. <laughs> When it's do a little bit think, better, I mean, why should we even have to pay for that? The government's making us do this. Yeah, mind you, we apparently have signed on to do this at some point, but you know, because it helps pay for roads and shit or whatever. But I mean, like, what what are we paying this for? If we're going to pay in money to this, when maybe we should just be we'd be required to go in, do the background check, and then be issued a license. Yeah. And now you have that. And now this is your registration number for carrying the, your firearm or whatever. But yeah. if you got to pay for it, you know, that's going to be a tougher sell. Right. So. Right. And then I'm, I'm definitely, obviously, way more in favor of if you purchase a gun, then you get a gun license with it. That's like, here you go. Now yep. we know that you have one. So that's it. And that's, 
And then the you gun can have license a whole is vest full of like <laughs> registration licenses right. for all these weapons. And the idea behind a gun license obviously is that you would have to have a gun license to own a weapon, and it would it would obviously be prohibitive to purchase a weapon as well if you didn't already have one. Yeah. But it wouldn't hinder you from purchasing things through a private dealer because you just have to have it to have a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can still buy shit. Like it's whatever. There's probably other laws that deal with purchasing, you know. But it would if, severely limit like gun owner to gun owner purchases. Like if, if I wanted to, if my brother license, wanted to sell yeah. me, if he went out and got a new rifle, he's like, yeah, no, I'll give you, you can give me fucking 500 bucks for that thing. Like he would have to have the ability <coughs> to go on and be able to give a license or get a license. If you or didn't something. already have one. Yeah. yeah. So I could, maybe if there was, and it, we're just bullshitting. We're, yeah. Again, we're not trying to sell the idea of a gun license. We're just kind of shooting. I'm back trying to forth. rationalize but, it in my right. mind. Um, what so it might you, look like. Like if you were given one when you purchased a weapon or if you paid 40 bucks or 20 bucks to get one. Like so a that private you could, sale. Yeah, yeah. You so go in to could, register it under your name and you exactly. get the license with it. Exactly. That would make sense. So I could see that, you know, and I don't really know what the process is for registering a privately purchased firearm. I don't know yeah. how you go about doing that um but you have to you are supposed yeah. to indicate in some way that it has that changed it has hands. changed hands yeah it's like changing title in a vehicle right so i'm not sure what the process is for that but obviously there is one because yeah you track guns that are purchased you know through different people but um so that's that's how i feel immediately about the gun license you know i'm mm-hmm. not immediately opposed to it it's not my favorite idea i don't but you know, but I'm not immediately opposed to it, depending on what the circumstances are surrounding it, you know? Mm. Um, During this whole debate, Elizabeth Warren brought up her idea of getting rid of the filibuster because she said, if you want to pass any kind of gun legislation, you know, when the last time they had some background check stuff on the table or something, she said they have 54, yeah, 54 people in the Senate signed on to this, but it required 60. So, yeah. well, if we didn't have the filibuster, we would have gotten that. And again, that is a, any call to remove the filibuster is a, a call to remove the, the Republic aspect of the democracy, democracy out of our governance. And it so is, that a, the 41% can dictate how the 49% live. 51%. 51 to 49. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, you get that. Um, but like that's why we're a republic, not just a straight democracy, because we we're not all one country. We're we're fifty plus kind of weird different separate entities that all work together as one under right. the umbrella of the one country. And so that's you know, when she brings that up, that just it's dangerous. Well, and we've, since that's been brought up, it has many times, we've talked about it many times, and we've lined out several different examples of mm-hmm. why that wouldn't be a good idea. Different horrible positions that the Democratic Party would be in if the filibuster didn't exist now and Mitch McConnell and the, and the Republicans could force through whatever they wanted in the Senate. That's not a good way to be. You know, no. that's not a life that you want to live, especially for the next two years, you know. Maybe when you're in office, but when you're not in office anymore, you're not going to like that at all. If you're in a position like President Trump was for two whole years where they have the White House, the House, and the Senate, you're fucked for two years. They're just going to smash through whatever they want, and there's nothing you can do about it because you are short-sighted and can't recognize how it will negatively impact America in the future. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine it's the same argument. These people who are arguing – 
for getting rid of the filibuster are a lot of the same people who are arguing for the popular vote to be the decider for the president and not the electoral college. Yeah. Oh, the electoral well, college yeah. is discriminatory and it's racist and it people hate it. It's anti-American. Yeah, but Elizabeth Warren has stated that she is for removing the electoral college. Yeah. So that would make more sense to her because none of this would matter because simple majority rules. So it comes from the same thought process. You know, mm-hmm. um, that you're correct is which pro-democracy uh, but anti-democratic yeah. republic so it's anti-american because that's what we're doing here mm-hmm. that is an anti-american ideal for this for you to be espousing that these things are set in place to maintain the republican aspect of our republic democracy yep and from that point you might as well just get rid of state lines as we know it yeah and they could just be districts of the united states because there is no difference between that and the federal government dictating everything uh, the next thing that I have here in regards to guns is several candidates indicating a continued issue with the NRA money in Congress. Yeah. Um, which I – there is obviously political money flowing through Congress, through the White House, through all of D.C. There is obviously NRA money flowing through there. But we've talked about before and it's been reported pretty widely that the NRA has like bigger fish to fry right now as far as leadership amongst their own organization. Yeah. Um, and they don't seem to be in a terrible position when you have people like Dana Loach or Dana Loke or whatever her name is. Lash. Uh, Lash. Lash. That's, there you Lash. go. And and also Colin Noir or whatever. Colin Noir. What's that? Yeah. What's Co- that guy's yeah. name? He has an NRA Something TV like show. They have a whole fucking TV channel. They're making all kinds of content all the time. People love the NRA right now. Like the people who love them love them. They're not struggling, you know. So I thought that that was really interesting, especially because as far as public narrative goes, the NRA money is not what's blocking a gun bill right now. It's not knowing whether or not the president will sign it is what's blocking it. And you could argue that that's because of NRA influence on the president. I don't know, you know, but that's 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 not the problem right now is NRA money. It's whether or not the president will sign whatever bill comes to his desk. You know, that's the biggest hurdle that's been mm-hmm. stated by Mitch McConnell. Said, I'm not going to put anything for a vote that I don't know the president will sign, which is shitty of him because you could argue that the best way to get this done is to put pressure on the president to look, the Senate Make signed this, decisions. the House signed it, get it done. But you can also understand from a political point and to protect more moderate Republicans that you don't want to force something through that will get vetoed in the White House. And then you may or may not be able to overturn that veto when it comes back through, you know? But realistically, I think that is, I think that's given Mitch McConnell the benefit of the doubt. I think Mitch McConnell uses that statement of, well, I won't put anything on the floor that I'm not sure the president will sign. I think that's a fucking scapegoat for him just to put forth whatever the fuck he wants to yeah. put forth. And I think that's pretty well understood in the in the realm of people that watch the Congress in depth. But there – I forget the exact point we we're trying to make. But the NRA doesn't seem to be a problem yes. in this particular instance. Not yeah, that they're not a problem so. with influence, but in this particular instance, they don't seem to be the main problem with a lack of gun legislation being – Passed in the Capitol. And the thing that really pisses me off whenever I hear people talk about the the lobbyist money that's running through Washington. Quote, unquote, lack. I'm not trying to say I'm waiting for legislation. Yeah, no. (laughs) There, a lot of noise, very little movement. Yeah. Um, But the biggest problem I have with that is that I get this hypocritical vibe from every one of them because these are the leaders in Congress. Like a congressman who's running for president and is on the debate stage at this point 
is at some point a thought leader and kind of an all-star in whatever congressional house they're in. And responsible for what they're bitching about. Exactly. This is your job. Why hasn't got Congress gotten anything done? Well, there's two things you can say. One, I'm not doing my job. And two, Mitch McConnell's holding us up. Yeah. You can blame a lot of that on Mitch McConnell legitimately. But there's like I haven't seen a house, you know, a house bill that calls out lobbyist money or lobbying fucking regulations right. or anything like that. There's, there's like nothing two to people do. exempt from that, and that's Mayor Pete and fucking Andrew Yang, who have yeah. no hand and in Beto, federal who doesn't have a job. Who doesn't have a job right now. Yeah, who have no hand in federal legislation. The other two or the other people that are representatives and senators are actively involved in by not being involved in what's going on. You know, right. Andrew Yang is like, y'all motherfuckers need to be doing something because I'm out here trying to hustle and I can't get anything done if you guys won't pass any gun legislation. Same thing for Mayor Pete. He said a couple of times, or maybe just once, but he said a couple of times before, this is some of the stuff that frustrates me about congressional government is that this is not how it's supposed to be done. And you're all out here campaigning about how you're the best one to get it done but you're not doing your job as it is right now, right? So I think that's one consistent selling point that Mayor Pete has for himself. Is Oh, and like, it's so true, though. Yeah. And it's so true because that the political establishment, essentially, who he's talking about, but he can't say those words because he's a Democrat. <laughs> like, that is real. Yeah. Like, these people that have re-election after re-election after re-election that are fucking 70-some years old who've been in Congress for 30-plus fucking years – no, time to go, motherfuckers. You need to go. But they're too caught up in protecting the sanctity of their party and protecting the numbers of their party to run the country. Yeah. That that doesn't that's not a thing anymore. This is, you know, the, our politicians have just become party management. And who could stay in party long enough? Everything is geared towards doing what as minimum amount of work as possible to protect their jobs. They're not yeah. going to go out on limbs and try to, you know, push crazy legislation that might be unpopular because they're not going to win again. Their job's gone. You, yeah. You'll fucking be like Beto O'Rourke. You won't have a job anymore. You know, at this point, Beto O'Rourke's, he's laying out, a, he's building a resume so that hopefully in 2020 when a Democrat gets in office, he can have a job as, you know, the new HUD secretary or well, something like that. Well, and that's, like we that. talked I mean? about that before. Yeah, there's a lot of people now. I think Amy Klobuchar is one of those people that is, are running now to be vice president. They're running for a cabinet position because they know they won't win, but they can still put out their views enough or pander their views enough, whatever, to tailor to who they think is going to win so that they can get in, right? So you could argue that Amy Klobuchar is running on a moderate tilt because that's what she thinks is going to win, or she thinks that Joe Biden is going to win, so she's running on a moderate tilt so that she can be a good vice president to Joe Biden, who needs a lady to be his vice president when he gets there. <laughs> he does. Politically. You know, I think... <laughs> if you're offended by that, then you're not paying enough attention to what's going on here. If the if the Democratic Party would let go of this, I think, ridiculous concept that they think the, the far-left progressive activist base that's so vocal on social media, yeah, if they would realize that that's not the majority of the country that might vote Democrat, and they just let go of it, and they went with a Biden-Klobuchar ticket, Trump's no longer in office in 2020 because you know how many of the silent majority 
would rather Excuse vote me. for them than vote for either Trump or some other fucking psycho leftist. I don't even really like either of them, and I me still neither. think I would pick them over Trump. You yep. know? Yep, yep, yep. Because at least they're what they're Especially, talking about seems not as insane. And I'm not as scared. I don't know. Like a lot of this shit, I'm not scared that it will actually get implemented. You know, like there's a certain amount of this stuff that especially as far as like Medicare for all, I'm like, dude, good fucking luck. Like if you get in, you're not getting Medicare for all through. You're no. not getting it through. Motherfucker couldn't even get Obamacare through the whole time. You're not getting Medicare for all through the whole time for 10 years. It's in that 10 years, even if it does get implemented within that 10 years, it's gone. It's yep. not sticking around for 10 years for you to spend $30 trillion in the United States on fucking Medicare for all. No. It's not going to be here for that long. I ain't no government after that, man. If it gets in. If you can get it in, which yeah. I don't think you can, you know? Nope. So there's some of this stuff that I don't even really give merit to because I don't have confidence that it could even get through. Like, you would have to have such a super majority in the House and the Senate and the White House that I'm like, it's not going to happen, yeah. you know? Not that's the a, way you're talking about it. And I think that's know? an aspect a lot of people miss out on this election stuff is – there's a hell of a lot more elections going on in 2020 than just the president. <laughs> yeah. If the Democrats win the executive chair, what's to say that they win in they win back Pennsylvania, Iowa, Michigan, Florida, you know, they're trying real hard in some of those places, but like there's a bigger picture going on here than just who's the fucking president. Especially if you get someone like Bernie or Warren that wins, you're going to have a surge of conservative people that come out in the midterms to fight that progressivism that just won the White House. That's the same thing that happened in President Trump when he won office. Is He's not ultra conservative, but he's conservative enough that there were a bunch of moderate Democrats that won and some very progressive ones that won in districts across the United States in the midterms. Yep. That is a super common thing to happen. We talked about the blue wave and the red wave, things that happened during Obama and during Trump, super common. You That's know? why that first two years is so important. Yeah. Because you have a better understanding that if you're going to win the presidency, you know, you know on the ground which districts might go blue in the congressional races and the Senate races. And so you can you can have a bet, a better bet of knowing what you can do within the first two years. But after that, game the fuck over, dude. Midterms are in. The entire House and Congress might change. 100%. And now you are in Roadblock City and can't carry out your agenda. Yeah. Um, Which I think is a problem in itself, but right. that's another conversation. Um, there was another thing. Let's see. When they were talking about immigration, mm -hmm. um, Joe Biden, you know, he was asked about like deportations and stuff like that. And when he was talking about it, he straight lied. And said that families weren't separated when him and Obama were in office. Yeah. And the children were kids like, in cages. Yeah. And we're like, and I was watching that and I was like, whoa, that's a lie. It's like, that's like a super lie, like a documented lie already. People know that that's a thing and you just lied about it post after it already happened. You just tried to revise history. That's a lie. Because they were like, the guy was asking about the three million deportations that took place during yeah. the Obama era, the most ever to happen in the country. Right. So he goes on about people who are being deported and, you know, this is what we did and we did this and we did this. And we didn't yep. separate kids from their families. You know, we didn't put kids in cages. And they're like, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. 
But you did. Like, you did do that. And I'm not trying to, like, shit on him. I'm not like, well, you fucking put kids in cages. I'm like, but you're lying. Like, that's not true. And now you're trying to lie about it so that it looks better politically so you can use it as a barb against the president. But that's hypocritical because you did that. And, like, the Flores agreement has been in place for a long time. Yeah. You did that. You followed those same rules. As close, you know, as... They follow them in as minimally a way as possible, but it was still happening, you know, because that was the thing. They may not have had the massive surge, I'm good, um, that we dealt with in the Trump era, but. Right. You know, and I think it's so much of this is just optics that's happening in the background that we don't know about. Yeah. Most of the time, because we only know about it when it becomes a problem. Um, And while they were talking about that, Harris also. Kamala Harris also continued to demonize the Republicans. And I don't even know how they can look at their kids, you know, when they're talking about putting kids in cages. And it's that type of shit that's exactly like the blog post I put out the other couple couple weeks ago. Just demonizing the other side. Just not even just like, oh, fuck whatever you said. You're putting kids in cages. It's like, well, there's a whole other side of this argument that you're not even giving any credence at all to because of a side effect of something that you're also have a hand in, you know, yep. that's like, that is incredibly disingenuous and doesn't show to me that you're willing to work with anybody. It shows to me that you're willing to smash through your agenda and lie about things and try and wash your hands at the end. Like, that's one of my biggest issues with Kamal Harris is you were the attorney general of the largest like, I think, you know, the, what the largest the, district, you know what I'm saying, in the United States. Yeah, largest state in the United States. Your record is very well documented. The yeah. things that you have said, the things that you have done are very well documented. You can't lie about it now. It's too late. We've already seen it. The people here, the uh, the comment, what are, what are they, the people leading the debate? What are they? Moderators. The moderators are asking you questions directly referencing your record and things you've said and you're like oh well that's not what i said first of all that's not my record actually it is because she just read it to you she read you your record she said what you said you can't lie about it now we already know it's too late it's different when you're lying about something that has yet to come out so you can try and spin it first we already know we've already seen it we know that you we're putting people in prison for small amounts of marijuana, and now you're like, oh, why smoke pot? That's cool. Yeah, it's well, totally cool. So hold the fuck on. Like, I know we understand that maybe your p- opinions have changed. We know that you threw people in jail for their kids skipping school. But you can't lie about it now. You can say that your opinions have changed. You can't say it didn't happen because that's what happened. The numbers are there. The articles are there. They were written at the time when it happened. You just have to go back and look for them. They already exist. You can't lie about it now. Like this is that's, not 1984. That's what I really can't stand about her is that she's yeah. just lying all of the time. So much so that now she's on a, a healthcare plan where you can keep your private insurance if you want because yep. that's what people actually want. And I know all those other times I just I was just saying stuff I I'm don't really know. Well, yeah, I know. Fuck you. Like you're just lying. It's so it's, bad. It's just lies. She cannot get on stage without lying. Yep. It's like microphone in hand, blah, 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 just lies. Oh, that's all that comes out. I I cannot stand it. There's one other thing that comes out, and that's just it. This is all Trump's fault. Racist fucking vitriol. It's, that, it's dude, horrible. The entire debate. It was well. Fuck Trump. 
Tr- this is Trump's bad. The whole thing. What do you do? I mean, sometimes there is a... I'm talking to you, President Trump, because I know you're watching. You're a racist, and this and this, and that's how we're going to win, and I'm going to beat you. Now turn back to Fox News. And I mean... It's so... It's just... It's petty. It's petty is what it is. It's so... It turns me off. It really does. It's like I tune her out as soon as she starts talking because it's it's just so bad, you know? And I'm pretty sure that... If she would have done her research, he was given a fucking rally in Baltimore. I don't know if the timing lines up. I'm not sure. But I know he, you know, he was doing a rally that night. So I don't things, know if he was watching. Fox one of the things there. I think is strange, right, is that when you explain something like we need to defeat the president, right? We need to defeat yeah. Donald Trump. We it, it it gives the president more power than I think he's due, right? I think a better way to explain this is we need to win back America, right? We need to convince mm-hmm. America that we're not a bunch of socialist fucking assholes that want to take their jobs away. We need to win back America. We don't need to defeat the president. You're giving him too much power. You are turning him into a monolith when you say things like that. Mm-hmm. Whoa, you're whoa, he wants to be a dictator. He wants to be, you know, totalitarian. He wants all these things. You are giving him that connotation when you say we need to defeat Trump. You don't need to defeat Trump. You need to win back the people that he won over because there's people who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump mm-hmm. because they weren't happy with what happened. You're not going to win them back by pushing even farther left. That's not the way to go. That's not defeating the president. You need to win back America, not defeat the president. You know, it's just, it's a strange connotation, I think, to give it. Like it's, that's a a weird way to look at it that I don't think, I think gives him more power than he's due. Mm -hmm. And I think takes power away from the people that I think they are due, you know? But I think that's giving them the benefit of the doubt. To be honest, I think even giving him that much credit. Because I think that's they they don't think of it in that terms in the yeah. slightest. In the slightest. This is not about the people and doing what's right and representative democracy. It's this about is Trump. about politics and power in Trump. Yeah. And that's what this whole thing is about, which again, it drives me crazy because what is the president any more than a fucking figurehead? You know, the real power that we the the branch of government that makes the laws is called the legislative branch. Yeah. The ones that actually run how we run our lives are our representatives in Congress. These are the the lying motherfuckers that are up on stage right now trying to get the political job. It's disgusting. Yeah. This whole concept is disgusting, and we give it more and more power every day by just you know, like I don't think in by the time I'm 60 years old, I don't know if the country as we know it will be even recognizable anymore, and not so much in the left-right context as just the the we've lost all sanctity of the state and individualism individuality. Yeah, you know, it's I think it's what I think I talked about earlier when I talked about everybody being more united than ever. We might have outgrown our statehoods by becoming too you know more united to the point where it it is obviously caused a societal shift yeah that's why everything plays out on the federal level now because this is all stuff like we want everybody to be on the same page and it's 
I don't like it. It's yeah. weird. It's weird. We'll just say it's weird. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so I only have two more things. So I don't know if after that you have anything that you really want to hit, but we'll hit these two and then whatever else mm-hmm. you like, you know, um, and then we can hit sports and whatnot and get the fuck out of here. So yeah. um, we can go over our first week's picks because um, week two is tomorrow. So, so I'm looking can- at my notes and as I go, like I have it broken down by topic yeah. as they kind of hit it and then the people's responses and I could see I have a KH for Kamala Harris and then every note is like talked about Trump again. <laughs> and then I like move to like all caps and then all caps with like tons of exclamation points. I'm like, stop. I was yeah. getting more and more frustrated. Um, so Andrew Yang talked about democracy dollars, right? Yes. Which is something that's, I, it's being tested out in Seattle. Is yeah. That they've, is? they've tried yeah. it in Seattle. Yeah. So democracy dollars is his, his idea to get campaign is to get money out of politics is everyone gets a hundred campaign dollars that they provide to whichever candidate they want and that mm-hmm. you know helps you do whatever I, i'm not it would translate obviously to actual dollars so you can get tv spots and shit like that and whatever um but the idea is that it would take actual corporate money out of politics because it's just the democracy dollars that are being spent yeah. which is a cool idea i, I want to hear more about it obviously but i have thoughts on that by the way yeah what you got um, so the concept of this Democracy dollar. Yeah. The only context in which I can see it being a good idea, and then I do think it is a good idea, we all have to, we have an, we would have to have an economy completely run on uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah. Everywhere. So that, you know, because that's part of what crypto is already doing. It's a separate conversation, but there's more and more platforms that come out with their own particular cryptocurrency that's only used on this one platform. But you can trade it in for that or that or that. Yeah. It's a a huge thing. And I think we're going to be going more and more there. Yes. Podcoin. Podcoin is a perfect example of that. Um, Although you can't interchange. I have like 5G in Podcoin right now. You're working your way to the headphones, bro. I'm fucking dude. I want that $50 Amazon card. That's what I want. I'm going to hit 20000 and spend them all and be like... I just spent a year of my life getting this. <laughs> this $50 Amazon card. Mm. Well, at least you can take solace in the fact that you'd be doing it anyways. Yeah. Which is, that's, shout out to PodCoin. I'm going to cut right now to a PodCoin ad. That's how I justify it in my head is that I'm like, why well, would be doing this anyway, you know, through this app? So, yeah. thank you, PodCoin. But in in yeah, the context sorry. of Yang's democracy dollars, right? I see that only working in that context because then you've literally shut out all other markets. There is only one economy to compete in, and that is the economy dollar market. And at that point, everything, you know, you would have to have graphic designers and, you know, software engineers, and you have to have all these different people that would accept that as a currency in some fashion because campaigns are not self-sufficient. They rely on outside contracting well, to, to run and to make ads and do all this shit and, that's and why to pay people to run their ads. So it gets complicated when you think of it on the, the true base level economics. I like the idea because yeah, it's totally neutral. There is the only money in politics is democracy dollars. That is a beautiful fucking thing to think about. How do we get there? I don't know, but God damn it, it's a good idea. Well, and I guess I assumed, at least when he was talking about it, that like the democracy dollars that you have, you would give to a candidate and they would redeem that for actual dollars. Yeah. You know? And so they would 
it would translate in some essence one democracy dollar is 50 real dollars yeah. or whatever but how do you that, how do you get to that like what does that what is one democracy it's just a government worth? funded program man that's all it's, a government it's just another program. thing that yeah you just fucking so in and other it's words, not like we just we get our taxes raised to pay for our own democracy dollars which we use which actually now that I'm walking myself through this I don't have a problem with that if we cut out the rest of outside money in politics. Yeah. I'd be okay with a democracy dollars tax. $100 worth. Done. Yeah. Comes out over the course of a year. Fuck. That's, I, I like that idea, actually. So I, I'll pay for that. That's what I'm saying. It's I not like a roads, bad idea. I like police, I like fire department, and I like democracy dollars. Yeah, I'm interested to hear more about that to see what his deal is. Cause I, and this is yeah. like, you know, I'm sure... An economist would be like, you're a fucking idiot. But Mm-mm. in the world of, not you, I mean, in yeah. like, but in the world of, of modern money, fucking, <laughs> you know, money doesn't mean anything anyway, you know? Yeah. So to say that, like, you know, the candidates get $100, $50 for every democracy dollar anyway is like, you know, it's all fucking zeros, you know, ones and zeros. It's like, fuck it. Just give the company a hundred thousand dollars because that's what we're giving them for whatever. Like, it's just, this is just how yeah. we're doing it now. Yeah, you know, right. like it's, it's It'd almost be really like, easy to do if the dollar was based off the gold standard. Everyone that just, would equate yeah. directly over, then you cut everybody out. But we live in monopoly money world now. Yeah. So we can't do that. It anymore. just kind of takes everyone to accept that, like, Money doesn't really exist, and then we can move on. And like, democracy dollars will work just fine because it's just like, well, you know, we're giving you, you know, this briefcase of democracy dollars, and I'll tell the bank, and they'll just put money in your account, and we'll just, we'll just call it good. You know, see, it's funny. The Fed will handle it. We'll just, (laughs) yeah, we think it's funny because we're like trying to like game it out. Yeah, but like. However we get there, that's a good goddamn idea. <laughs> it's like, we need to get there. I want equality of outcome for democracy yeah, dollars. So, so it's, I, don't, I don't hate the idea of a democracy dollar, especially <laughs> for people who are concerned And I will be curious to money. see how that works over in Seattle over the next yes. few years. Is that what they're that calling goes. them over there is democracy dollars? It's something, I think so. right? Yeah. I think so. So I remember you sending me articles about that. So mm-hmm. I am. I'm also interested to see what's up with that. And the last thing I have written down and then we can hit, you know, anything you have that you want to hit. Um is Elizabeth Warren talked again about like her wealth tax, you know? Oh and it's God. like, can we talk for a second about the fact that it's probably unconstitutional anyway? Like <laughs> you're running on something that you probably will never ever be able to do that you might get it passed because oh. people like it but it's gonna hit the supreme court and they're gonna be like you're smoked like you yeah. you can't do this man you know like you only barely got through the income tax like 70 years ago so we're we're not doing it now i think that that's really interesting well, dude and i think even disregarding legality altogether yeah because if we want to fundamentally reform how we live our lives whatever old systems don't matter we're is this a at its core a good idea I don't think so. <laughs> no. I don't think it's a good idea at all. She's talking about what's that? 1913 the income tax came in. So it would been like 120 100 you know Ugh. whatever 115 Ouch. years. I said 70 cuz I just picked a number. I didn't oh, yeah. really know. So that's the only reason I'm saying that is cuz <laughs> I just I didn't want someone to be listening to this be like you fucking idiot. Yeah, right. It was 1913. So and I think somebody else called her out about it. I'm trying to remember where it was. It might have been Joe Biden pointing it out, and I just yeah. thought about it. But like her wealth tax that she talks about, like she also talks about that paying for her Medicare for All program. Yeah, but then she's also saying that like that's also going to fund the removal of the you know all her big points, like the removal yeah. of college debt and all this stuff. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. 
But you just said it would pay for it for healthcare. And I but think, now you're saying it's going to pay for it over there. And Joe Biden's standing over there like, I've done the math, motherfucker. Yeah. You don't have enough to run one of them at all. And I think, um, and I would have to, I'll have to pay more attention to this now, right? And this is not to credit or defend Elizabeth Warren, but I think what she usually says is, that's enough money to pay for this, uh-huh. right? So, so I do, I think, in legal terms, because she is a lawyer, she's not saying this is enough money for me to pay for all of these things, but that the wealth tax would be enough money to pay for this thing, mm-hmm. not for this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. But when she's talking about the individual things, she's like, and the wealth tax is enough to cover this. And I don't technically, I, right. So I may be completely wrong because there may very well no, be man, a quote where she says that the wealth make, tax can pay for this, 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 and this. I think, but so there's a problem with that, right? Because it makes me take the approach that is she's being. Evil. Oh, s- certainly. Right? Yeah, it's very but sneaky. It's very sneaky. At if the that's same what she's time, doing. I also want to get on board with that because if you listen to her talk, she's not a lawyer. <laughs> right. She is a special needs teacher, True and she always school. has been. Oh, she did not teach law at Harvard, where Ben Shapiro met her as a guest professor, by the way, and knew her. Um, no, she's not a lawyer. She's a teacher. Which then you go, but wait a minute, are you smart enough? to be bullshitting everybody right now and to <laughs> legally get away with it. I think looking at her I think past you're a lawyer. <laughs> I think she is. I think she is definitely a fucking lawyer. Yeah. And she is lying technically truthful about everything that she says, but overall Nobody could, she would not, nobody would win a court case against her. Yeah. For lying. Because if she, yeah, if she were to, yeah, if she were in front of a judge, yeah. she would say, well, technically, mm-hmm. I never said it's enough to pay for all these things at the same time. I said it's enough to pay for this, which individually it is. It's enough to pay for this, which individually it is, which I don't, I don't know the numbers, but I would assume that that's the argument that she would make. You know what I'm saying? Word. So, so what I wanted to, to, to hit one more time, or before we left. Yeah. So, bef- if this is the last thing we're going to talk about, the one thing I wanted to talk about before we left is that Kamala Harris statistic that she pointed out, which I I thought, you know what, I'm not even going to, I don't want to talk about it yet because I might skew somebody's perspective on it. So, I'm going to play the entire clip of her talking about what she talked about when she threw the statistic out because, you know... You know me, context is important. And then I want to ask you, because I already sent you the text and asked you about that that percentage and stuff that she wrote out. So yeah. I want to see what you think about that with full context. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Frances Wilson, God rest her soul, attended my law school graduation. I think most of us would say that we are not where we are without the teachers who believed in us. I have offered in this campaign a proposal to deal with this, which will be the first in the nation federal investment in closing the teacher pay gap, which is $13,500 a year. Because Between right now in our public women schools, or our teachers, 94% of them are coming out oh. of their own pocket to help pay for school supplies. And that is wrong. I also want to talk about where we are here at TSU and what it means in terms of HBCUs. Historical black colleges. It's part of my proposal that we will put $2 trillion into investing in our HBCUs That's for teachers because, 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 one, as a proud graduate of a historically black college and university, I will say, 
that it is our HBCUs that disproportionately produce teachers and those who serve in these many professions. But Thank also, you, Senator. But this is a critical point. If a black child has a black teacher before the end of third grade, they are 13% more likely to go to college. If that child has had two black teachers before the end of third grade, they are 32% more likely to go to college. So when we talk about investing in our public education system, it is at the source of so much. When we fix it, that will fix so many other things. We must invest in the Thank potential you, of our children. <clears throat> so, full context in hand. Does that percentage sound like a good idea or a bad idea? Um, well, I think it depends on how good the teachers are. <laughs> but right. Um, I mean, w- but when you hear that, do you make me want to go? Yeah, fuck yeah, that's a good idea. We should definitely do that. I mean, fucking, if that kid has, if a black kid in school has a black teacher by the end of third grade, they're thirteen percent more likely to go to college, and if they are almost even more than twice as lucky, so 32% as likely to go to college if they have two black teachers before the third grade, does that speak to a unknowing argument for segregated schools? I think it, you could use it as that. Um, certainly, like a Ben Shapiro, I could see that he would say, "Oh, so you think it's better if black people are teaching black kids?" Um, I, like that's I'm, not a good idea. I don't support that at all. By the way, I'm just, personally more interested in graduation rates than rates of college attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, but that's just me because I don't think that college is right for everyone. Not because I don't care if black people are going to college, but because mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the right thing for everyone. I'd be more interested in like other monikers that I think are actual indicators of success. Yeah. Because I don't think that just because you have four degrees, you're successful. Like you might still be a fucking idiot and have a doctorate degree. That's a thing that happens. So, (laughs) so I don't, you know, um, okay. So this is interesting because I, you know, I heard that. Yeah. And me having the mindset I have, I was like, wait, why would you throw out that statistic? If you're trying to talk about, you know, just making schools better and all this. Like, I don't understand. That doesn't send the right message. That sends to me a message of, well, based off of the population in your community at your school, like you should have X amount of teachers that reflect that same population as far as race goes. Yeah. Because it's in the context of the HBCUs, the historical black colleges and universities. Um, and then in and the there's overall, probably more black teachers at a historically black college than there yeah. is white teachers. And so I had a conversation with Carolina about this yesterday because I said, I don't know if this is fucked up, but I don't know if it's wrong either. <clears throat> um, and so we had a good conversation about where she as somebody that could give two shits about politics. I played her the same clip and she said, I mean, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, better success for kids and all this stuff. And I go, well, but what, but when you think at my level from a government, because the schools are run by the government, they're run by the States, which are dictated through general guidelines through the federal. If you think about federal implementation of trying to achieve that end, what do you see happening? I see teacher, Racial quotas. 
Right. Like that's a, ultimately uh, why I go. That's not a what's, statistic what's you should use there. Called. Uh, um, yeah, I know because I I you know I saying. purposely didn't say it because I, I explained it long form because I wouldn't have to say it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, where you. You know, companies that do business, say, with the government have to have a makeup of, you know, you have to hire X amount of minorities for things. Um, God damn it. What is it called? I can never remember. Me neither. No, I can never remember. Because it was a big thing for a while back in the day. Um, but it's, it's also still, I mean, it's a big argument today whether it, yeah, or not people still agree is. with it. Um, enhanced is like the it, only word I can think days, of. These days, it's, that's not it. it's no, it's like, it's just coded yeah, in, what the fuck in is really what it is, is diversity. Do you yeah. have enough diversity at your company? And, oh my gosh, what is this called? I'm just going to type in forced diversity law. Yep. Oh, uh, let's see. Diversity in the bedroom. <laughs> diversity. Yeah, that was weird. Diversity in the, oh, boardroom. Boardroom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got it at a weird angle, so. Yeah, that's true. I'm, What's it called? Uh, it's not popping up, man. Shit. But it's it's whatever program it's like for it hiring, is. yeah. Fuck. It's driving me nuts because it's around the tip of my tongue, too. There's people who are making fun of us. Yeah, I know. And like, how do you type that into Google when you're like, I know the general gist of it. I just don't know what it's called. You know, Google doesn't translate that very well. No. But anyways, it's the regulations that were put in in place. God damn it, it's driving me nuts. It really is. Uh, the law that <laughs> uh, yeah. requires diversity. This is terrible. It is terrible, man, because it's like right there. Oh, man. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. No, it's all derived off of that. <laughs> That's this. the problem. It's like everything but this, <laughs> this one, like one thing. Gosh. But anyway, it was designed to enforce, you know, anti-discrimination laws. Yeah. And, you know, you couldn't redline people for loans at banks because, you know, they were African-American or just not white, I guess, at this point. Um, but yeah, this thing came out a long time ago where, like, it would require... Like, unions, I think, have to follow it. Anybody that really do- is really in tight-knit relationship with the federal government has to have staffs that make up certain different racial minority makeups you know so you might have to have 20 percent african-americans if you know they're supposed to be 20 percent african-americans in that part of town so you know what i'm talking about yes but it's driving me absolutely insane you know we're going to remember as soon as we're done. It is. But I feel like we should probably just move And all I can think of is fucking point. like Title IX, you know? Exactly. It's, all- <laughs> it's like all the modern day versions of uh, like what speaks to that. Yeah. And so regardless of what it really is, okay. um, well, that's yeah, the context anyway. in which I see it being done in, which scares me. Yeah. And so I say that's not the right way to look at things. And so I, you know, but... At the end of the day, when I first showed that to Carolina, she got the right message where we should just be trying to do better for the people that are in our, commu- are in our communities based off of the science but that's behind that. Like, if the statistics say, like, you know, black kids growing up should have more black teachers, 
I think that's something we should try to do. Yeah. That sounds great. You know, good teachers and good students that can learn from good teachers and connect, whether it's culturally or whatever it is. Like, I don't care what race they are. Whatever works, works. And I'm good with that. I just don't like ensconcing that kind of stuff in law because that's one of those slippery slope arguments. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, so I think that that... When that statistic comes out, it's... And I was glad, I will say at the end of the day, that when I showed Carolina that full clip, she got the right message out of it. Yeah. And so that makes me wonder, why does why do I focus in on that? And because go, well, you know that's she's a bad a idea. Because you know she's a liar. Because that's you true. know she's a liar, and you know that she's fucking just a shill. You she know? is. You know dude. that she's just a shill. I think so. she's about the only one up there that's a total and utter shill. Yeah, it's you know really I mean? bad. Like Joe Biden, God bless his soul, man. Like the dude has been through so much. His life has been a story of tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. If he's doing this stuff, if he doesn't believe in the stuff that he's doing now, like he has no reason to live at all. It's. <laughs> Like, he's lost everything. There's no reason. Yeah, I mean, he has a new wife and, you know, all this stuff. But, I mean, you could tell. This dude has lost everything in life. And you can tell by by the nature of him having that happen through his life. Like, I feel like he is the most, one of the most honest people on that stage. Like, emotionally, at least. That's all he's got left. Because it, fuck, it is, man. Yeah. Like, it's weird to say that, but it it is. He's old as fuck. So a lot of shit's happened, but a lot of really tragic shit has happened to him. So I believe him. So I have two quick pop culture things, and then we'll hit sports, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. So the first one is an article that Zeke posted uh, yesterday that I told him that I would talk about. Um, oh, And it yeah. was a girl who was found not guilty, right? She So she had a baby, allegedly. Allegedly. Um, <clears throat> she had a baby. That her family didn't know about, right? She says that the baby was stillborn. Yeah. Um, If you're sensitive to this type of stuff, then this is obviously time to stop listening. But skip ahead for um, about three minutes. Yeah. And so the story goes against her. The story goes right that she had a baby in the toilet. Right. Killed the baby. Yep. tried to cremate it. It didn't work. So then she buried it. And then like two years later, she told the gynecologist about it because she was upset about it, right? Mm-hmm. Her family didn't know that she was pregnant. No one knew that she was pregnant, right? Her story is that like it was stillborn and then she was coerced into saying that she tried to cremate it, but she really buried it. And, you know, she's there's like a whole slew. You know, I haven't read a bunch of articles about it, but there's obviously – Jordan's been following it pretty closely since It's it pretty gray. And so, you know, she – was found not guilty, right? Except for like defilement of a corpse or something yeah. along those lines. And there's like a whole, you know, like a personality disorder or like emotional disorders, and, like all this stuff that goes into you think? it. Um, that takes a role in her not, yeah, like being sentenced. Um, so she's only facing like up to a year in jail. Um, yeah. And so I'm interested in because. <clears throat> Someone told me that they felt like she obviously deserved prison time, but they she didn't deserve life in prison, right? And I don't know that I agree with that. Um, and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know what the precedent is for like other things. So I don't know if that's a fair mm-hmm. thing. In my mind, I'm like, well, fuck you. Like you murdered a, a baby, baby and then you tried to burn it and then you buried it and you just didn't tell anyone about it, you know? 
I, which I just, I think is indefensible regardless of mental state, unless you are completely unaware of anything that is going on and just aren't comprehending the situation. Um, I just am supremely against that. And I'm kind of like, well, maybe life with chance for parole, but I just don't like you murdered a baby. I don't, what purpose do you serve to anybody? around you at this point i know your family is like oh you know yeah we're sad and like we pray for you and whatever but i just you murdered a baby you murdered a baby instead of choosing to be honest and giving it to someone who would take care of it you know i i want to go the abortion route so <clears throat> bad right now so i'm just you know and that's like because if i that's think where that's- you're at you know if that's where you're at with it then why not you know mm-hmm. so i just don't legally speaking and I don't know what state she was in, so I can't. Maybe that wasn't an option. You I don't. Know, I, can't. I don't even think that's a. I mean, that's a thing, man. Like obviously, for anybody, any human being, to do that, there is something wrong with you. Yeah. And I think it is behooving on us for not only like the purpose of trying to fix them, but also for trying because to try to fix them, we need to try to understand what's wrong with them. Like, Ohio. Like, it would be Ohio? Yeah. That's where it was? Yep. Okay. She's 20 now, and she was 18 when she gave birth to a yep. baby girl in May 2017 in her family's upstairs bathroom in Carlisle, Ohio. Mm-hmm. She had told no one about the pregnancy and buried the baby in her yard. Skylar confessed to gynecologist two months later, and they phoned the police. Two months later, not even two years. Um, prosecutors said Richardson killed the baby and that it was alive when born. They also claimed she set fire to it and that she was obsessed with maintaining the image of a perfect life. Skylar's mom, Kim, who did not testify, broke down into sobs as the verdict was read aloud. So. God damn. That's infanticide. Yeah. That's what it is. And the simple. bones look like they were burned. I don't yeah, like it. You I can, saw the picture. Yeah. Like they look like they were burned. Mm-hmm. And the argument is that they like the coroner saw that the bones looked that way and told the cops about it. So the cops interviewed her again for like five hours. And at the end, she confessed to having burned it. And then they argued in court that the confession was coerced because they told her that they knew she had done something with the bones to burn them, even though that's like a super common police tactic. So I'm not sure how that's coercion, but yeah. um, I mean, especially if she did it, but so the she got weird. off for that, but yeah, that's it's complicated. Yeah. Because you know, at, like it's, it's weird to think about because for one, that is at its core level, just terrible. It's horrible. It's wrong. Yeah. It's so fucked up. And it's, I mean, there's, and there's, you, it's a shame because it's in Ohio. Like, I don't know what the abortion laws are, obviously, but like, I mean, fuck, you already killed the baby. Yeah. You would not, why would you have been opposed to not do it before? You, you know, but that's not exactly the right way to think about it. Yeah. But you, your mind can't help but go there. It's just a fucking tragedy. And whether or not that's, there's something in her mind that can be fixed, I don't know. But to know that killing a, a fucking newborn baby is not wrong, I don't know if you can get that back. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I'm not so, a psychiatrist. So I would hope that there would be. Then maybe we can understand one day this is just an illness, was not her fault, but she fucking did it. 
and we don't at this point you fucking did it dude yeah that's jacked up so that's where i sit with that um <clears throat> the next story that i have will lead us into sports is just as horrible um <laughs> antonio brown after he was on the Patriots one week ago today, he got signed mm-hmm. with the Patriots. We were recording when that happened. Um, and then earlier this week, some allegations came out of two different cases of sexual assault and one of actual um, – or sexual harassment and one of actual rape. rape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was by a woman who was his personal trainer. I recommend anyone who's interested in this go and read the court documents, right? Don't mm-hmm. – Read a story because none of the articles I've read have all encompassed everything that is in the court documents. So I've heard like bits and pieces of <clears throat> stuff from every podcast I've heard about so it. So there's all kinds of details that go into it, and I'm not going to explain every detail. I'm going to kind of brush over them as I see super relevant, right? So she was a trainer and like was a personal trainer with Antonio Brown and also used to be a gymnast, like a world-class gymnast, um, and... So she has like a training facility for all kinds of people to go there and all this stuff and started training with Antonio. And I guess people who worked there said that he was a dick and they ended up getting into like type of relationship where she's like booking flights for him and is like kind of like an assistant and stuff like that. And so one situation happens where he, you know, takes his pants down and like exposes himself and she like leaves the room and is uncomfortable. And he apologizes afterwards and like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, we'll do whatever. I won't do it again and blah, blah, blah. And then they're. You know, close again and they're friends and she's at his house and they're watching like a church sermon on an iPad and he's standing behind her and jacks off and comes on her back. And so then she's upset and then leaves, obviously. And then he sends her, you know, a couple of emails that are really horrible about, you know, a piece of mm-hmm. shit and, you know, all this stuff. And then for, you know, whatever reason they, you know, they've make back up and they're like, okay. And, you know, she's like willing to whatever. And, um, they're hanging out at the club and she drops someone off at his house and goes inside to go to the bathroom and eat some food. And while she's there, she says that she was forcibly raped by Antonio Brown and then left and did whatever. Right. So there's a civil case that she has filed against Antonio Brown. The only thing I'm confused on, um, and I'm, Again, I'm not going to go into like, well, the, you know, there's this is a whole other story. This doesn't make sense. Antonio Brown, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to talk about that because mm-hmm. I'm going to, as I feel is right, wait for more information to come out, right? Um, the only thing I'm confused about just logistically is I don't understand the benefit of a civil case as opposed to a criminal case if she's saying that he raped her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the benefit is there because there has to be something that makes more sense for her to file civil charges as opposed to criminal charges. Yeah. Um, So I'm not sure what that is. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to question the validity of her case. I'm just Mm -hmm. logistically, I'm not sure what the benefit is. I could see why there Um, would possibly be because in criminal cases, there's things like statute limitations that to take into this only happened in 2017, 2018. So it's and so you're correct. It could be maybe could the be. statute is really short and whatever it happened. But yeah. um, so I'm not sure what the deal is but with think, the civil yeah. case as and opposed to the criminal case. And maybe it is yeah. that. Maybe it's just a statute of limitations. But if it's not, um, then I'm not sure what the benefit is to civil but as who are to we to know? Right. So that's what I'm trying to be clear. I'm not trying to poke holes in her story because she's not seeking criminal charges. I'm just logistically when I think about it, I'm not sure what the benefit would be. Yeah. But um, how logically responsible of you, Donovan. So that's just me. I've heard a lot of people say some really questionable shit I felt um about that woman and about Antonio Brown. And I personally feel it's just as fucked up to assume that he is a rapist as it is to assume that she is lying. Mm-hmm. I am not taking anyone's side. I don't know anything. It's it 
as the judicial system would grant him, I'm going to assume that he's innocent until he's proven guilty. But that also doesn't mean I have to assume that she's lying just because he's not been proven guilty. Because I don't see a reason that she would come out and make all this shit up if she knows that she's lying and it's going to go nowhere eventually. That seems weird to me, you know? But I also... So that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to... Yeah, you know, does, I'm not does it seem weird to you? Because this is a narrative that I've heard run with this week is the the refusal of the Patriots to answer anything in relation to whether or not they knew that this might be coming down the pike when they took him on. Um, I mean, it didn't seem weird to me. But I'm just wondering. I don't it think it's like strange. a narrative they were trying to. I push. don't think it's strange right now to be saying that. You know, to be like we. I'm not even going to talk about it. Like I'm not going to whatever. Yeah. But the Patriots also like have a history of taking people who have kind of been shut out of the league or are like problem people and playing for them on their team. So Aaron Hernandez went to fucking prison because he, you know, because he murdered somebody. So <laughs> yeah. so they have a history of, and that's, I'm not saying like the Patriots are a shady organization, but they're willing to take on some other people that leave. Josh Gordon himself, he's been suspended four or five times for just getting high. So yep. they're willing to take on some people the rest of the league will not. So there's possible. I also know that Mike Tomlin, the coach for the Steelers, whether it was an interview or just a private conversation he had with Colin Coward, he said, or Colin Coward heard, however the fuck it happened, Mike Tomlin said, you guys have no idea how much we hid while Antonio Brown was here, you know? And that's not me saying that he's like holding fucking rape allegations down so no one hears about it because that's on a whole other level of shit. But he said that when Antonio Brown was going on with the helmet dispute and he's not showing up to practice and all this stuff is out, all this drama with the fucking burned feet and all this shit. You know, Mike Tomlin's like, you guys had no idea how much we hid from the media while he was here, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, and then, I'm... Yeah, it could just be petty shit. Right. That's like, this that's, dude is difficult as fuck. Yeah. He is a problem child. And we knew that he was skipping practices. He would, you know, leave meetings early. He would show up to meetings late. He didn't really care for the organization of the Steelers organization, you mm-hmm. know? So, again, I'm not by any means implying that they covered up any type of criminal anything with Antonio Brown. I'm just saying he seemed to be speaking more to social and, yeah, nonsense issues that happened internally there that he's like, you guys have no idea how much we just kept quiet and kept away from the media to make it look like we had control over the team, you know? So it's like, uh, what was his name that uh, left the Seahawks? Fuck. Went to go play for Detroit? Golden Tate? Yeah. Yeah. Like he was like a massive problem, apparently. We didn't find out until afterwards because yeah. it did kind of, it got pretty real. But like, I, I don't think that would be a weird thing for a coach to say. And it, you shouldn't assume the worst when he says something like that. It's more probable that he's just a problem personality. Cause that, I mean, especially with the better players, that, that seems like ego would be a problem that you have to contend with, like actors and shit like that. These are superstars. Yeah. What's to say he's not just a fucking pain in the ass? Right. So well, let's, yeah. So, so we'll see. There's, there's more of that to come down the pike, obviously, yeah. uh, or the pipe. And we'll see. So in the realm of fantasy, you holding him? Um, I have him in my Bennick league. Um, and I don't think I'm playing him this week. He's not, as of now, he's not placed on the commissioner's exemplus. So he's okay. able to play this week. Um, they're playing Miami. And the Miami sucks 
horribly and the patch looked really good without Antonio. Um, and he's still learning the offense. So that's why I'm not playing him is I don't know that he's going to mm-hmm. like do well, but not because I think criminally he's going to, cause I'm not going to, there's, I have a difference between like, I didn't draft Tyreek Hill in fantasy because he beats his kid and I don't personally want to be in, involved in that. And, you know, it's just, it's an individual thing that like, I'm not, I don't fucking, it doesn't sway anyone's opinion of me. I know it's fantasy. It's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It doesn't whatever, but as a personal deal, I don't want to have him on my team because I don't want to root for him because I don't agree with things he does in his personal life. It's, it's just like the, a, uh, the dog fighter. He, he, Michael Vick. Michael right. Vick. So, there we go. Thank so, you. and Adrian Peterson, the same thing. I think Adrian Peterson's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer, but I don't, he, he beat his kid with a stick and I don't agree with that personal choice. So I'm not going to pick him up. I don't want to play him. That's just, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, a, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people that think that that's that crossed dumb. a personal yeah, line with you. So. It's just a, you know, thing that I, I've had Adrian Peterson before. I, something about having a kid just made me feel differently oh, about it that I just I would think rather I do have him. Like, and that's not like it's not, I don't have a problem with anyone else having him. Like, it's not, it's a totally personal thing that I just don't want him on my team because I don't want to root for him, you know? And so it's just, it's because I don't want to root for him that I don't want to have him on my team. You know, it's not because I'm, again, I'm not personally opposed to him. I wouldn't fucking, if I met him, I'd still shake his hand. I would still be like, Hey, you're a fucking great player. You know, I just don't, again, I don't agree with the way that he runs that aspect of his family, whether it's something he does all the time or he just did at that time. I don't agree with that personal choice. Yeah. So I Fuck, man. I got him playing. So. Next week he's in my lineup. So that's just and that's that's just me. That's just a personal. You he know, didn't play week one. Me. No, he was inactive week one. Darius guys played. Darius guys is out mm-hmm. this week. That's the first thing I have written down here. Darius guys, Darius guys out six to eight weeks with a torn meniscus. Okay, so so Adrian just Peterson's numbers wise, I should play him. All right, <laughs> he should be doing pretty all right. Uh, QB, I love the fact that like because of the podcast, I got a little bit of pull with the commission. <laughs> Mind um, you, I. The problem is my handicap is so high. I need it. Yeah, depending on what you're. I'll look, I'll look at your roster before I leave. Um, QB Sam Donald. He's out for two weeks with mono. At least he's out for two weeks. Uh, Hunter Henry tight end suffered a tibia plateau injury. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's in a knee. It's in his knee somewhere. Really? Um, yeah. The Browns DN Chris Smith. His wife passed away in a car accident Wednesday morning. Oh, um, and they geez. just had a baby like four weeks ago. God um, damn. So, yeah. Horrible, horrible thing. Um, I'm not sure of the exact details surrounding that but that did happen this week so that's fucking this is yeah i wouldn't tragic. expect him to play this week or you know maybe for yeah. a few weeks um and that's i don't want that to be i don't want that to be insensitive or anything that's just a i don't yeah. you know i don't expect him to be around for a while while nope. he's you know he's got to um, take care of yeah i'll go take um, care of it. wide receiver tyree kill he's out four to six weeks he, but he will avoid being placed on the ir he has a shoulder injury so he's not on the ir but he's not going to play for like six weeks mm-hmm. um the Oof. Jets traded their wide receiver Demarius Thomas to the Pats for a 2021 20, six round pick. So we'll see if he people got to quit giving the Pats players, man. Yeah, it's, it's no like good. I understand it because he's Demarius Thomas used to be like the fucking man. The first time I, the first year I ever played fantasy football was on a ship when I was stationed in New England, and one of the dudes had Demarius Thomas and. Oh fuck! Who was the quarterback at Peyton the time? Manning Peyton at the time? Manning yeah. at the time, and it was dude. He was pulling like sixty points a game between the two of them. Yeah, stacking points. It was terrible. You cannot give the Pats all your washed up all stars because something happens to them at the Pats. They'll squeeze out what they have left exactly. For that year. Yeah, and they'll make it back to the bowl. God, it's it's, fucked up. Quit doing that shit. 
So as far as that's all I have for notes. So we our first week predictions. You said I got you by one, right? Yep. What was the one that I got that you didn't? Okay. Okay. Let me switch back my notes here. Yep. And then we'll do our week three ones, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. So let's see here. We both had Atlanta wrong. I got you with Tennessee over the Browns. You got me Bills over Jets. Baltimore, Baltimore, Philly, LA, LA, or the fucking Chargers versus the Colts. No bueno for me. And then Arizona, Detroit. They tied. What happens on the tie? We just zero. I guess that's a wash. Yeah, neither yeah, of okay. us get that. That's why I washed that one. And then, uh, but yeah, that was it. Came in 12 13. So which one did we get different? Well, which one was it? It was. Boop, 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 boop. We had a couple of them that were different. Oh, but they all added up to 12, 13. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, indeed. And then we both got the first game of week two's out. Panthers dropped the fucking ball. God damn it. Which I kind of don't hate because I hate Cam Newton. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is, man. That's the problem with having a figurehead like a quarterback on a team. Yeah. Because like they have personalities that people care about. And that's Russell Wilson is a fucking saint because he does so much volunteer work and like helps all these kids and does all the shit. And I know Cam Newton does that too, but he's just a fucking smug or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like Cam Newton. Um, so let's see. So we're doing week three, right? Because we did week two last week. Uh yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So let's see. Week three. Are you ready? You want to keep this one? I can keep it in my notes if you don't have any more space in there. Got it. Okay. So week three, the first one is Titans at Jaguars. Titans at Jaguars. Titans. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Titans on that one. Um, let's see. And the next one is Dolphins at Cowboys. I'm going to take the Cowboys on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dally. Dolphins are pretty terrible. Yeah, uh, the next one is Bengals at Bills. And I'm actually going to take the Bills on that one. I want Buffalo. Ben, you want Buffalo? I'm going to yep. take Bengals. Okay. All right, and the next one is Bengals were fucking on fire. They, yeah, we I mean, they did we, good. We made them look really good, which sucked really bad. There was a lot of blown coverage in the secondary. I picked up really a wide receiver. Got John Ross. Did you get John? Yeah, Ross? John Ross the third. Yep, that's not. Yeah. A, that's a, not or a bad. No, big I tried. Player. Never mind. I oh, tried to get him. Me too. Fuck. I Thank placed four different waiver claims or fab claims, and I did not get a single one. So it happens, but. Those people all have less money now. So fucking Joe spent fifty dollars on Marquise Brown. Dude, fucking a lot of money for a wide receiver. I put twenty on Jones, and I thought that was a lot. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. gonna give me a lockdown. Yeah, and I, I think I forgot who I got p- picked up a running back. I don't remember who it was, but uh, paid like five bucks for him. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bengals so, Buffalo. Yep. So the next one is Lions at Eagles. Shit. Detroit Rock City. I'm gonna take the Eagles on that one. I'm a Philly. Ooh. Um, and after that is Jets at Pats. And I'm going to take the Patriots with that one because Sam Darnold won't even be playing. So the Pats are going to win that one, I think. Yeah, that's – it's. I mean, it's the fucking – the Jets. Yeah. Um, after that is Falcons at Colts. And I'm going to take the, the Falcons on that one, I think. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Hotlanta. Um, and after that is Raiders at Vikings. I'm going to take – I got Minnesota. The Raiders? You're thinking about the Raiders when you're talking about the Vikings? I mean, the Vikings ain't great, but they ain't the Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders. Oh. Give me the Raiders on that one. Oak City. 
Um, and after that is Ravens. <laughs> just lost Antonio Brown. Chiefs. I know that. <laughs> Chiefs and who? Ray, uh, hold on just one second. Gonna get back down there. It is Ravens at Chiefs. Uh, I'm gonna, shit, that's gonna be a good game. Yeah. That's gonna be a good like, game. I wanna go Chiefs, but I'm like, well, I'll go Chiefs. Yeah, I'll go Chiefs. After that is Broncos at Packers. I think I'm still going to take the Packers that one, at that one. Yeah, go Pack. Go on yeah. that one. After that is Panthers at Cardinals. Ooh. Jesus. That could go either way. I'm going to take the Cardinals on that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to take Cardinals, too, just because I got uh, Fitz. Um, after that is Giants at Buccaneers. That's going to be a horrible game. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that, why would anybody want to watch that game? God. I guess I'll shit. <laughs> I like I I'll give it to Eli just because he's Eli. All right, I guess I'll go with the Buccaneers on that one. But that's fucking yeah, that's a shit show of a game. Yeah, that's horrible. Is that um? A, that's a Sunday game. Yep, Sunday at one. At yeah. one. Uh, so at least it's not a primetime game. Uh, after that is Saints at Seahawks. Fuck, that's gonna be a good game too. <laughs> you think so? <sighs> I think we're going to get tossed on by New Orleans. You think so? <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm going to take I mean, the-, the Seahawks are good, but they, I mean, this is the Saints right now, man. I'm going to take the Hawks. Okay. Just because you said that I'm taking the Hawks. I'm splitting you on it. This is good. We after got a that, lot of splits this time. After that, we got Texans at Chargers. That's going to be a really good game, too. I'm going to go with the Texans. Chargers defense is a little depleted. I'm going to go with the Texans. Yeah, I think me too, actually. After that is Steelers at 49ers. Ooh. I'm going to take the 49ers on that one. Steelers. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Steelers are playing away. Big Ben is terrible when he's playing away. Um, after that is Rams at Browns. God, I fucking got their quarterback too. I should have. the uh, Sunday night game. I should have gone with my 49ers. Um, so I'm sorry. Who was that? Rams at Browns. Oh, Rams. Yeah, I'll take the Rams on that one too. Yeah. And then after that is Bears at Redskins. <laughs> Bears have a had some the Monday game. That sucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm skipping Monday Night Football, bro. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, that blows. I guess I'll take the Bears. Their defense is good. Their offense is fucking shitty. And the Browns? It's the Bears and the Redskins. Redskins. Yeah. Oh. Oh, shit. I, that's a. Yeah. Yeah, that's a terrible game. Bears. I'll go Chicago. So there you go. go Bears. So that is our week three picks. I know it's early, but we're because these come out on Monday and the games yeah. come out on Sunday. But we got to stay a week. Yeah, ahead. we're just staying ahead. Of, that's I confused myself for a second. I'm like, wait, the week two games are on tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah, we're calling them a week ahead. Um, not that we expect you guys to be writing them down and tracking them, but we'll go over them on <laughs> on week. <laughs> we'll go over them on the week of. Uh, so next week we'll go over our week two picks and we'll yep. see who got the most. Um. We still haven't come up with our punishments yet because we're still working on. We're going to each come up with a punishment, so yeah. we're still getting there. But I'm we'll getting nervous about that. This, <laughs> it, will, it won't be this too week. Bad. Week three is going to hurt one of us real bad. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> um, so with that, I think we can finally move on to our closing line. And you know, we've been doing this for 69 episodes now. 70 tomorrow. It's been like a year and a half. Money's starting to get tight, and I think it's time that we might have to put what we always talked about into effect. You're going to have to start hooking. (laughs) (laughs) Got to do what you got to (laughs) do.